0: Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and my co-host, Renfri Deadman. Hello, Renfri.
1: Hello, Steve. How are you?
0: I'm all right. Thanks, mate. How are you? yeah
1: i'm all right you just
0: told me all right i'm doing that thing oh i'm good thanks how are you yeah i'm all right how are you doing yeah good you what about you well i told i told
1: you i was off all right off mic so uh you're still allowed to ask i think because the listeners don't know if i'm all right i'm all right Yeah, but i asked you
0: twice i asked you twice did that awkward stupid thing T- um, two and a half
1: years of doing this is still not professional <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the beauty of podcasts you don't have to be professional uh, you can make up days your birthday was on from 20 years ago you can do it whatever, whatever, you you
1: you're you making a reference to something i've cut because you were
0: i was going to apologize no, for that but, it. Doesn't um, matter. it was i tell you what that is okay so a little peek behind the curtain oh uh, well, this is episode 114 by the way on the week on this show this week we're going to be reviewing new albums from greg pachato to share more bon jovi mets and venom prison um we did a uh, a, a patreon podcast about television's um regular urban survivors yes we and fucking did. i have a just the clearest memory of my 16th birthday why would i not remember my 16th birthday and i reference that in our television podcast mm. about going out on a friday night on my 16th birthday. And it turns out that my 16th birthday was on a Wednesday. And how could that have happened, Renfri? How could I have got it so badly wrong? I how mean, am I so old and decrepit and feeble that I can't even remember <laughs> such a landmark event in my own life? It's do you really unbelievable. Want, do
1: you really want me to answer that question? Uh, <laughs> if you would like to, yes. I, I think it's degrading memory and uh, age. <laughs> oh, <and God. laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, uh, I, I I did actually cut that bit out of the podcast because it's misinformation. It's not true. So uh, uh, and we. I still think it. I,
0: I I still think it is true. I mean, even well, though all the all the evidence would point to it not being true, all the kind of factual evidence. Yeah, well, Google I don't disagrees don't think,
1: with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I still do believe that my own sort of prejudice and memory, <laughs> hazy memory from the time, is is more reliable than actual kind of concrete facts. And that's the kind of world that we're living in. Uh,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> Tra- tragically it is uh, yeah. come on do the signature brew thing yes um, um hello then,
0: god i tell you what cheers our mates over at signature brew i definitely didn't imagine this they've um, partnered <laughs> up with us and we are very very uh grateful to have them on board for the podcast as i mentioned last week um you can go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and put <laughs> put in the code riot act In small capitals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everyone who uh, messaged us this last week. Just just saying small capitals, usually in capitals. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: appreciate that. Wonderful. Mm.
1: We need that t-shirt design, isn't it? Small capitals.
0: Small capitals, (laughs) yeah. No, put Riot Act in the checkout uh, to get 10% off all of their wonderful produce, which is, um, as you probably know by now, a lot of different types of delicious Beverages. Um, they have been making kind of music-based and music-associated beverages since 2011. Down in East London, um, we said before. You know, they're um, they're uh, hosting. Uh, socially distanced shows, the likes of Rob Lynch and Jamie Lenman have this recently week. played, and this week,
1: yeah, well, you go. Black Peaks, yeah, three shows.
0: Black, uh, signature brew tap room. No, no, um, no, no,
1: no, 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 oh, the brewery. This is, this is the mistake, yes. Oh, that's the mistake <laughs> that's you, exactly you made, yes. the mistake that I made, with right? Jamie okay, no, 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 not the tap room, the brewery in Wolfenstow,
0: the brewery. Yes. So, yes, their brewery in Wolfenstow oh, will be hosting. Me. <laughs> The tap room is where we did our first birthday. Yeah,
1: don't, uh, don't mention the tap room, that
0: just confuses it. It's not confusing, it, it's <laughs> saying that we did something at the tap room <laughs> okay. and bands are doing oh, something at the brewery.
1: I've already got a headache and we haven't even started talking about Bon Jovi yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay. But anyway, um, they've brewed beers with the likes of Mastodon, Idol, Slave, Sports Team, Mogwai, yes. Frank Turner, Enter Shikari, and. Um, I have to say thank you a very personal thank you I think you do as well actually I, do, Benfrey. I, do, yeah. I have to say a personal thank you to the chaps over there for sending me a pub in the box and especially if you're Scottish what better time to get your own pub when you can't go to the pub
1: <laughs> yeah quite actually that's a very good point yeah it is sure. a good point um, yeah. it was absolutely it's lovely so 16 cans of uh, lovely beer um, mm-hmm. I haven't actually tried any of them yet I was hoping to try one before uh, before we recorded but I haven't really had an opportunity to, to drink because I've a lot of work on this week but i am going to tomorrow well,
0: well due, due to my previous association with the good fellows at signature brew i already had the kind of the the last remaining dregs of a pub in a box in oh, yeah. my fridge oh yeah so now and I, and I opened up the cupboard and the cupboard was bare until my pub arrived and now i am another <laughs> pu- and it means i've got two signature brew glasses which i'm delighted by yeah. um very nice glasses, wasn't it really nice glass i, I got answer. a got a couple now i've got two coasters as well mm. um a different music quiz oh we're having a little group chat in the right they get a, a music quiz the right the right the right group chat was like oh it's quite hard the music quiz i <laughs> i didn't put you are pathetic you three Shout but, out um, to Dan. yeah <laughs> yeah but i was like <laughs> you should i uh, i i look i'm better than everyone else so i ace the quiz that's all it, that's all i'm saying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right all right. I'm um, not even looked I, at the quiz yet
0: mm, and then i treated myself to a can of roadie ah, um, which was the nice roadie that we were talking about last week the kind yeah. of 4.3 ipa very very nice thanks very very much guys it's my pub in a box baby <laughs> yeah
1: oh yeah that is that the jingle <laughs> well that's, it is now
0: <laughs> that's um it's a pub in a, a, a p-
1: box baby yeah Oh, dick dick in a
0: box, a, dick in a box by the lonely oh, island, but I've appropriated yes. it to it's made it more family friendly mm. and relevant to our friends at Signature Brew. Oh, well, that's so good. I hope I could do a little freestyle rap. Yeah, oh yeah, you get a pub. Oh yeah, who wants the pub? And it's in the box. Good to get a box, and then a pub's in the oh, fuck it. Mm, uh, I'm, not yeah, I'm not a rapper. Yeah, uh, I'm not a rapper. Forget it. Anyway, yes, as I said, signaturebrew.co.uk. Go over to the checkout. Right, act small capitals uh, and you get 10% off i found it really funny to get small capitals um sent to me it's, oh, it's such, great. A, a such alarming, regu- yeah. such <laughs> alarming <laughs> regularity
1: <laughs> every single time it, we did get it quite a lot and every single time it cheered me up so yeah thank you yeah. very much for that yeah
0: Language is funny. Um, I'll mention our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash Podcast if you want to contribute to the uh, the exclusive content. Well, not contribute, but get the exclusive content that we give you over there. So for any amount of money, you can get a rioters review every that week.
1: Could, that could be a patron tier. 50 quid to appear on one. It's not, a idea, <laughs> not, a bad, not a bad idea, actually. not a bad idea. A conversation for off mic. <clears throat> yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Carry on. Um... Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of Right Ears reviews where you pick the albums what we talk about. As mentioned, we've got one coming up with Terrorvision. Um, oh, to- fuck you over there.
1: No, not that album. You know, it
0: tells me not to sing, and then that shit comes out. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and. Um, Classic album on Gallows went up this week as well. Great Britain mm. that seems to have been very well received. Really, we nice will response be to that. yeah, thank you everyone. giving you. If you sign up for the five pound tier, you'll be getting another classic album in uh, two weeks time, um, uh, or a week, a, a, a week, week, a week, a week and a bit. Yeah, a week as, as it goes out on, and that on is,
1: Nick Cave and the Bad Seed Skeleton Tree, which I have been yeah. researching and feeling very sad about. I have to say, <laughs> fucking. Hell. Oh my god! Uh, I yeah, tell yeah, you what, record. I
0: don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but I went for a big long country walk whilst listening to that album and it was like there were points listening to that where and this is suddenly got quite serious where it felt like uh, an almost like a and a religious experience listening to that record
1: yeah I, I can totally understand where you're coming from with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. unbelievable
0: yeah. um anyway so yes that's our patreon page so patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and now we get to the part of the show which we have been doing a lot of these eulogies for people since we started, you know, two and a bit years ago. I'm struggling to think of a person who's passed away who has had such an impact on the world of music that we've covered in these more so than Eddie Van Halen. Who passed away at the age of sixty-five this week, um, after on, a battle with cancer. Based on the Massive.
1: sheer, sheer, sheer breadth of the amount, just just all all of the different bands who are paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen this um, this week. It's just my timeline is just constantly full, and 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 it really is bands from the entire spectrum of rock music from the you know from um like soft rock bands to like the heaviest extreme stuff you can imagine yeah
0: yeah so um his son wolf van halen um posted on twitter this statement i can't believe i'm having to write this but my father edwig lud Edward Ludwig van Halen has lost his long and arduous battle with cancer this morning. He was the very best father I could ask for. Every moment I shared with him on and off stage was a gift. My heart is broken. I don't think I'll ever fully recover from this loss. I love you so much, pop. Um, in terms of guitarists, I mean, you've just touched on it a little bit there. Um, <clears throat> seems funny that we were, you know, kind of covering van Halen pretty much for the first time in this show ever yeah unfortunately on van halen three on broken records and um i
1: I feel awful for that now
0: (laughs) but yeah yeah it's just yeah uh, you know it's it's unfortunate timing um but i mean what i was going to say is obviously in terms of artistically you know that that is not the 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 van halen that i think about or, or so. talk about when i think of van halen you know of we particularly so. went to talk about that album because there were lots of things about it that were interesting and lots of things that didn't quite work out and it was just mm. one of those things but in terms of a guitarist um i mean there's jimmy hendrix and then that's it really isn't it uh, ahead of eddie van- in terms of the electric guitar and in terms of revolutionizing and progressing and defining the way that people approach playing the electric guitar. I can only really honestly go Hendrix above Eddie Van Halen. Really?
1: Yeah. In, in, yeah, in terms of pioneering techniques and in, in terms of making techniques famous, um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like the guitar tapping technique, which is really prevalent in all sorts of styles, particularly metal. But everything really was... Um, I don't want to say Eddie Van Halen was the first because I'm sure someone will come up with someone else who did it before him, but he certainly uh, popularised it. Um, Eruption is a probably maybe the first example eruption is on van halen one isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. eruptions probably eruption's probably the um the first example of that style really being um popularized uh and just yeah the 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 manner in which you know the whammy sort of stuff that he did just the manner in which he approached guitar was just completely and utterly revolutionary um at the time
0: yeah i mean i think people may kind of bulk at the comparison with Hendrix and then Van Halen in the UK. And maybe it's because it's been 25 years since Van Halen came over to the UK. And I do feel like they're they're kind of standing in their stock, you know, when you compare that, you know, when you think of how big they really are and how important they really are, they're up there. They're definitely up there with Aerosmith and ACDC and those kind of bands. And those bands you would go, well, they are definite download headliners. And I feel like, because of maybe their absence or just because of the way they're thought about in the UK. I, I, I'm not quite sure why it does feel like Van Halen, you know, there was a lot of chat about, oh good Van Halen for headlining that Sunday, that classic rock Sunday on download. Yeah, and it never, it, it never really happened. And then it just sort of fizzled out. And I hope that this means that, you know, particularly in this country, I don't think it needs to in America. I think in America, there was never a point where Van Halen weren't considered an absolutely phenomenally huge band. Um, but in the UK, it's not quite it's not quite the same. And I do hope that people in the UK who maybe had either kind of forgotten or never really gone in on Van Halen, now maybe they do and they kind of understand just how revolutionary Eddie Van Halen was. And when I think of... I and mean, it's funny, I was having a chat with um, Merlin from Metal Hammer the other day, and he was like, when I think of... He's like, I hate Jump. And when I think of Jump, I think of David Lee Roth clowning around. Mm. He's like, but when I think of Van Halen, the band, and when mm. you know, when I think of like you know, Running with the Devil on that first album, I think of Eddie Van Halen, and I think it's so true. All the there are things about Van Halen that some people might go, oh well, there's that, and you know, David Lee Roth's a bit of a clown, and all the bits and bobs, and, but every time you think of anything good about Van Halen, you think about Eddie Van Halen and what Eddie Van Halen did. I mean, I remember being probably about 15 14 15 the first time that i properly heard van halen and it was when like my mate was learning the guitar and we were all we were all sort of just had just been getting into rock music and we all thought you know we we knew you know who the great players were jerry cantrell and Mm -hmm. tom morello and kim tile from you know that kind of 90s era we're like they're Mm -hmm. the they're the the great guitar players you know Mm -hmm. and then we were sort of talking about this when we were in my mate who was learning the guitar his dad was a guitarist and he was like you lot need to hear van halen and he put a tape of van halen on i can't even remember if it was an album or if a compilation or what it was but i just remember all of us in the car just being like what like i've never heard anything like this before in my entire life it was, in, it was incredible. And, you know, they're a, again, like, they're a guitarist that... I think Hendrix is almost certainly the greatest electric guitar player ever. And then you've got people like Tony Iommi, who I think deserves a massive amount of credit. I've just mentioned Tom Morello. I think Tom Morello is... You know, the guitarist that I, I tend to like the most, or have the most respect for, are people with really kind of distinct styles. I mean, you know... Um, Geordie Walker from Killing Joke, uh, who I love, like incredibly distinct and unique style. But in terms of having a distinct style, changing the way people thought about the instrument, doing things with it that no one had ever seen. No one, not even people hadn't seen before, that people weren't even aware were capable. Like you see these that, clips yeah. of, Hen, of Hendrix playing and you see people's faces like, <laughs> you know, you hear about... Clapton and Jeff Beck and all these people going down and Peter Green going down to watch Hendrix because they were like we we didn't know this was possible. Was, uh, it, you was, can...
1: was it was it Van Halen um which had was I think with the guitar tapping um he would turn around and mm. face the back of the stage because he didn't yeah. want to reveal how it was yeah. done for a long time and guitarists yeah. were absolutely stumped, you know, they just yeah. were stumped. Like I really wish I could kind of describe what tapping is it's but it's it, you would recognize it if you heard it you know i mean mm. eruption is a classic you know track
0: for, for yeah that. and and it's really really easy to look at you know the what came next i mean van halen were and are you know we on this show have i would say <laughs> minimal to no respect for the sunset strip 80s glam metal Thing right, we both hate Motley Crue. Yeah. We both hate Warren and Poison and all of those things. Right, I, you know we'll talk about Bon Jovi later. And you know there are things that are good about Bon Jovi, things that are not so good about Bon Jovi. Yes. I know they're not a Sunset Strip band, but that, but, but Van Halen were the kind of the archetypal blueprint for that entire movement. You know that entire thing, and I think it's very, it's very clear, it's very obvious, it's a very obvious comparison and it's a very clear thing to make now because we have so little sort of respect or admiration or love for any of those bands it would it could be quite easy for us to go like you know whatever but i mean the fact that not with van halen though because exactly
1: that that's the thing i i I, just 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 to throw this in quickly because i'm feeling a little bit kind of guilty here but like i i have professed on the show that i am not a van halen fan and, Mm. and i never really have been but in terms of the way that he played guitar you cannot deny you cannot deny the impact he had which is i'm kind of why i'm staying respectfully silent here because i just don't want to i'd like I just, you just, I have to bow down to his incredible mm. talent and his incredible, you just, you can't deny it. You cannot deny it.
0: And it's, it's you know, and it's why when I look at those bands, uh, I go, but you're so bad because... <laughs> In the same way as no one has ever topped those first six Black Sabbath albums, no one's ever going to top those first couple of Van Halen albums. And even when, I mean, you know, he was a classically trained pianist who decided to pick up an electric guitar. There's other things, there's other things to really, really admire about Van Halen. I think, you know, the the backing vocals um, and, you know, (laughs) as silly as David Lee Roth can be, he's got a hell of a lot of personality and character but incredible but van, yeah yeah incredible but but Eddie van halen and those guitar parts are the thing which ultimately set van halen so far apart from all of those bands if you're trying to get me to listen to like oh no you know dr feel good is a good album listen to this i'm like i've got van halen one which has got mm. better songs is better produced that is technically still makes you, stops you in your tracks and go, what the fuck? Mm. And it's just everything about it is better. And if if you can't Mm. match that standard, and let's be honest, none of them were ever going to, why the fuck do I need you in my life? I've Mm. got those Van Halen albums. I do not need Poison. Do you Mm. know what I mean? That's exactly how I feel about it. It's not like, you know, I don't dislike Van Halen because... They, they kind of helped popularise all that stuff. It's it's not their fault that they invented something that they were really good at that no one else could get even vaguely close to. Yeah, and, so. and even if you ignore, you know, if you ignore that, I think you look at the way someone like Tom Morello, I mean, Tom Morello was straight out going tweeting about how much he loved Van Halen and what an influence Van Halen were on him. I did a piece for Metal Hammer talking about the 10 Radiance Machines, 10 biggest influences, and I picked Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys and Faith More and all the stuff that you would expect somebody to pick. But I also picked Van Halen in there and I said, you just have to listen to the way that Tom Morello approaches playing the guitar to see how much of a fan and how influenced he was by Eddie van halen it's completely different music it's a completely different approach but that looking at something and going how can i do this differently yes you know how can i use this instrument in a way that no one else has used it before yeah hendrix and van halen there's not really many other people from from prior to that in in kind of hard rock that you can You know, yeah, I owe me a bit as well, you know. Well, a lot, to be fair. And, you know, I I haven't even mentioned people like Jimmy Page or Ritchie Blackmore, but... Maybe
1: Dimebag, um, maybe Dimebag as well. Yeah, I
0: mean, Dimebag sort of comes afterwards a little bit as well, doesn't it? And obviously, I mean, and Dimebag, I mean, yeah, is, again, totally influenced by Eddie Van Halen to the point where... Should I tell the story that I've... So I was lucky enough to um interview vinnie paul uh about five years ago and i we we got talking and we got talking about van halen um when we were talking about his influences and stuff and he told me a story um which was really lovely to hear about you know and this is less about Van Halen, the guitarist, and more about Van H- Eddie Van Halen, the man, really, mm-hmm. is that he said Pantera got off tour and they got back home, Vinnie and Dime, and they found out that kind of in a different, obviously they're in Dallas and in a different part of Texas, Van Halen were playing the next night. And they're like, shit, he was like, we just, we didn't realise, we just got back off tour and we we're like, fuck, are we going to be able to go all the way out there and we're not going to be able to make it? And, and basically they're kind of, they're publicists, got wind of it and kind of got the message to eddie van halen who sent his private jet to pick up diamond vinnie and flew them to the van halen show for sound check and basically said when they arrived they were they were <laughs> they were watching van halen sound check and um and eddie van halen was like you know to dime to uh why don't you come up and jam on my um you know why don't you come and jam on my you know with my guitar and use my my amp and stuff and then Vinny said he got up and he got on alex van halen's drum kit you know two brothers in van halen the two brothers in pantera using that equipment and they said that you know the whole of van halen just stood there and watched the two boys from pantera like have a little jam session on their equipment Mm -hmm. and then they watched the show and they had the best time and then eddie flew got said you can use the jet and you can fly yourselves back home the next day. And Vinnie Paul said to me, he said, I remember my brother saying to me that if this plane went down now, I could die a happy man. Mm. And I mean that that is a really beautiful that that just goes to show what a beautiful like not only how much the esteem in which they held Eddie Van Halen, but also like what a fucking great what a lovely dude to that's, do that for well, the two people.
1: That's just one of several stories that I've heard about Eddie Van Halen being just a really lovely guy. You know, I've mm. heard loads and loads of stories like that. Um I mean that's that's one of my favourites by a long way, but um yeah. Uh he it it it's it's strange how it often seems like the good ones who who die young. Only the good die young. That's Iron Maiden, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um it's also Let Live as well. I don't oh, yeah. Be good, uh, yeah. I um, mean, to be, to be anyway, fair, it, wanna... it's a saying. <laughs> <To be> fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it is. Um, uh, But yeah, I mean, and, and also if you go into the worlds of extreme, you know, even if you go to the the more extreme parts of, of metal, I mean, I mentioned Tom Morello, but you listen to Ouroboros by Gojira, oh, yeah. that yeah. Yeah, 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 at the start, like, yeah. who popularized that? You know, if you listen that, to the way that someone a, like Trey... That's a
1: great example of guitar um tapping sorry yeah yeah, just
0: to, yeah. Uh, you know and, and just like thinking about adding i mean we always talk about the pick scrape from gojira yes. like oh we can do a little pick scrape thing i mean that is an idea of going Oh, how do we take this instrument and do it in a completely different way and uh, i don't know man it's like it's really really it it's really really hard nigh on impossible for us on this podcast i think to surmise what rock music would look like without Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. It's really, really, really fucking difficult because his fingerprints are on everything. I mean, you know, those pinch squeals that Zach Wilde does, the, the way that... I mean, you speak to someone like Adam D from Killswitch Engage who uses a lot of like, you know, those, those harmonics and stuff. Would that have been as prevalent in music without Eddie Van Halen? Really, really, you know... <laughs> creating a whole new tapestry, a whole new language for the way that the electric guitar was was approached. I'm 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 really I'm you know, people might think that I'm I'm reaching here. I don't think I am.
1: No, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah.
0: I mean I, I literally think he is the second most important guitarist after Jimi Hendrix ever mm-hmm. to have picked the fucking thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's mad. And um yeah, yeah, I mean it's a it's a big 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 one this. Yeah. yeah. Really big. Yeah. So, um there we go. Anything else you'd like to add to that at all, Rempree?
1: I don't I think you've summed it up very well indeed. Um I I I don't really think I can add anything to it. It's just a tragedy and it's a very 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 sad loss. Um and he was an absolute, uh, when people talk about guitar gods and guitar heroes, he's, uh, he is on the Mount Rushmore alongside Jimmy Hen- uh, mm. Jimi Hendrix. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But undoubtedly, you know, whether, yeah. whether you liked his stuff or not. And I'm saying that as someone who didn't particularly like the music, but I cannot, I, I can't deny his incredible impact on practically everything that we talk about almost mm. certainly 90% of it.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, what a fucking hero. Mm. Let's move on. Let's do some reviews. Um, and let's start with an album, which we didn't actually think we'd be doing for another couple of weeks. Uh, the debut solo album from Greg Pacciato, child soldier, creator of God. Um, Former Dillinger Escape Plan man, a band we both like. A mm-hmm. oh, former, just, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, former Stroke, Stroke, current Black Queen man. Um, have Black Queen split up, or are they still going, or do we know they're just not doing anything at the moment? Right.
1: I have no idea. But um, no, yeah, we're just yeah,
0: know. they're not. The, they're not. Ha- they're not doing anything as we speak. But yeah, he's in the Black Queen as well. A band again, who we both like. Yeah, a yep. lot. Yep. Um, some schmuck leaked this early. Yeah. some what do you call him a dickweed a uh, uh dipshit bum, bumble dipshit something gonna say like that a b- b- he definitely yes. didn't call him a bumbleclot yes uh, it was a, but,
1: U- a u.s journalist is all i know i don't know any more than that but some u.s journalist no no
0: no, no. and and a u.s based former journalist well yes quite because he probably won't be doing fucking anything now i mean i have to say you are a moron <laughs> yes. if you get a watermarked album sent to you as your job and you leak that out. Yes, it, you, you're not going to get away with that. No, no,
1: no. So for so, I mean, a lot of people listening may not know this, but like pretty much all of the streams or the downloads that we get or whatever are watermarked and have like a little kind of piece of invisible code um, that can be read by. Uh, invisible code readers uh, i think that's mm-hmm. the technical term um mm-hmm. and they they're all yeah they're all watermarked to us uh, personally and that is very 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 clearly said yeah like a flashing uh like warning comes up saying that so to think that you'd actually get away with that and for what for uh for a, a few like maybe an afternoon of people going oh thanks mate it's like i really appreciate that or whatever like dumb fucking cunt Stupid asshole. And to do it to someone uh, like Greg Pusciotto as well, who's an uh, independent, very creative artist during this time as well, during mm. a time when, you know, I mean, listening to this record, not to get into it too much uh, immediately, but I, I I, really want to see a lot of these songs live uh, and I'm not going to get that opportunity for a long, long, long time because of uh, what's going on at the moment. And uh, that would be uh, a a large source of income for um greg a large source of income. it'd be a, it'd be a good so it would be one of his main sources of income touring yeah. this record and uh he's not able to do that so to take away the only other uh source of income for or potentially take it away it's just an absolute cunt move like fuck you yeah he certainly he she you never know probably he uh should never be working in this industry again he's a twat
0: yeah, what an idiot. Like, yep. come on, mate. You know, you knew, you, you must have known that what you were doing was a fucking deeply, not, not even just stupid, because it's you're obviously going to get caught. They're not just yeah. stupid, but it's a deeply dislikable thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there you go. There's that guy taken care of, hopefully. And, um, but what it means is that we have this album a few weeks early. Now, three weeks this, early. As it, three as it early came out last week, yeah. Yes, it did, yeah. Um, so it says in... I've read the press release so this one, Renfri, for once. Hooray! Um, uh, this is, Greg says this is him declaring ultimate freedom
1: mm.
0: on this record. Mm. And I guess to kind of start off with, um, what did you expect from this? Did you expect anything? Did you know what to expect?
1: Um, in a weird way... I expected what we got, but not quite to the extent of what we've got. Um mm. Greg has described this as genreless. Um that's not a bad way to describe it. It's certainly um I sat down with Greg once when we were talking about the Black Queen, I think. Uh, and I'm sure I said this on the show before, but he said that um we were talking about like how different uh his Black Queen persona was from his um Dillinger escape plan you know, person, you know. I was like, at that point, I hadn't seen Black Queen live, and I was like, "We're so used to seeing you tear up stages and like, you know, um, destroy amplifiers and destroy like rooms, blah blah blah, you know." And that's not going to be appropriate for this material. And he was like, "The thing with Dillinger is like, that's only ten percent of my personality, you know." Um, I suspected, and we said this last week with the Corey Taylor record, you know, um, solo albums generally seem to be sort of reflections of who an artist is. Um, and I w- certainly wasn't surprised that we got an incredibly diverse record uh, yeah. as a solo album from Greg. Um, I think I think even I've been knocked for six at how diverse it is and how many places it goes to. Um I'm fortunate to know Greg a little bit. And I know that he's a very like multi-layered individual. Uh, so I did expect it to be very, very broad. But even even I've been kind of like stumped by just how broad this record is.
0: I think it's, it's not the shock of how broad it is for me particularly. Uh. It's the shock of how he's managed to make... I mean, even within, even we take the first three songs Heaven and Stone, Creator of God, Fire for Water. I mean, genreless is certainly a word. I would say genre full, if anything, because <laughs> it is pretty much every genre of music. You can imagine. I mean, yeah.
1: So those first he- three songs, you've got Heaven of Stone, which oh, were you about to do that? Sorry. Well, I was about to
0: say, like Heaven of Stone is an is an acoustic, mm. a sort of folksy acoustic song. Mm. It's not a million miles away from the sort of thing y- you would hear on a you know an an early Jeff Buckley uh, demo. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Creator of God is kind of a much more ethereal, electronically led um shoegazy dream poppy thing. Dark City um, vibes, yeah. Yep. Yeah, which I guess you could kind of go, oh well that's kind of the Black Queen bit of him coming out. But then Esk? I think yeah. it, but, but I think actually the the Black Queen is far more danceable than um uh than than that particular song. And I then think, you've got, I think
1: there's other songs on this record which are more Black Queen esque yeah, as well, definitely. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah. And then you've got Fire for Water, which is two minutes and fifty seven seconds and is hellishly angry yeah like yeah you know just unbelievably violent sounding and extreme it and
1: is, it's so full of stuff that song I mean this this album is so full of stuff it's an absolute treasure trove of of uh different elements all kind of interwoven together but fire for water I mean i've I've had this promo for a couple of months and uh, I mean I received this promo and put it on straight away I don't know what I was doing but whatever I was doing I stopped and I put it on straight away because I was quite excited to hear this Um, and I don't know how many times I've heard this record 20 25 like up there you know because there's a lot to digest here Um, and listening to it this morning I noticed something new In the song fire for water in fact i noticed new things in quite a lot of the songs which just goes to show just how jam-packed this record is just before that song the the riff kicks in and it goes absolutely batshit mental there's these like backing vocal in the background which i'd never actually noticed before they're very very low down in Mm. the mix but you know and it's definitely one of those records which absolutely the more you hear it the more you get out of it and that you know you will be you will be hearing new things in it for probably many years to come i would have thought so what a fucking cracking song fire for water is that is a strong contender for my song of the year but not only that uh there's two or three songs on this record which are a strong contender for my song of the year so well the fact that it it
0: follows it up with deep set which sounds like kind of you know wish by nine inch nails done done slinkily um and and is is again is angry and heavy and distorted but really catchy and like i say slinky and there's you a just swampy, go,
1: grungy vibe to it, isn't it yeah there? and you
0: just yeah. go well, i don't what kind of album is this mm. like i mean i knew it was going to be um eclectic mm. but i would you would expect i mean I, I think it takes some serious like guts to start an album and to give it you know like to give it absolutely no characterization of... It's not a hint of exactly what this is mm. in the first... There's no real hint, unless the hint is it's everything. There's no real hint of like, well, where, where are we going here? Like, you don't know... It's like someone's ripped the steering wheel off of the car, but has just put their foot down on the fucking accelerator, and you're away, and you don't know where you're going to crash. Yeah. And that is unbelievably exciting. I think yeah. particularly in... In heavy music and in metal and i mean i'm I'm kind of loath to even describe this as a metal album, but certainly as someone who because it's, it's not really is it but no. then but then it's
1: got metal moments on it, but it's not it's metal, definitely
0: got it some pretty. unbelievably metal and very very heavy moments on it but mm. but it's just so wildly eclectic and yeah. so unpredictable it's kind of it's almost. I mean, it's kind of predictable how unpredictable it is because you know that Greg yeah. was never was never going to just do one thing. Yeah. But then I couldn't ever have, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought maybe we'd build up or we'd slow down. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? I thought maybe we'd start really heavy and then slow down. Like if you'd asked me to, but what does a Greg? album sound like what's his solo album gonna sound like i would have probably predicted it will start really wild and heavy and slowly but surely it will fizzle down into like the acoustic stuff but it doesn't do that Mm. it just starts really slow and then goes mental and then calms down and then goes up and it you know it's um and that sounds and that shouldn't work on paper that doesn't work no i agree this is the thing about it yeah, it- but, and
1: yet the quality is so high throughout that it really does work, doesn't it? I mean, Greg mm. Greg has... I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but Greg has quite a short attention span. In, in a sense, that is what this record is like. But then we've talked about records like that in the past where when they don't have a kind of... Um, Central theme running throughout them. I mean, ammo. We go on about the the playlist, the playlist thing. Yeah, the albums that sound like a playlist. And this record manages to not do that because there are sort of recurring themes that it comes back to, and I think that's why it works as a record. There are it rather than being like there's how many songs on this? Fifteen songs. Fifteen. Rather than being fifteen completely different songs um there are different variations on a theme here there's three or four themes at least but they are but they he does come back to various you know there are a few songs on here which have a black queen-esque vibe there are a few songs on here i'm loath to say they're dillinger-esque because they don't have the kind of mathy element that dillinger has but certainly you know <laughs> greg screaming again basically um you know th- th- that are really heavy and really caustic there's a there's an industrial vibe that is uh mm. used quite a lot which we haven't really heard from him there's the acoustic stuff that you mentioned there's some beautiful piano stuff that he comes back to as well and he's crammed so much into it that at first it's really overwhelming really overwhelming and it actually yeah. all feels a little bit you know if i do have a criticism and it isn't really a criticism, to be honest, because but my initial reaction was like, oh, this this might be a little bit too much. You know, it might be a little bit too crammed. Um, but I realized that the more you listen to it, the more that you just realize, oh, there's just loads and loads of stuff to unpack. And actually, the more that I listened to it, the more that that became an exciting thing rather than a daunting thing. It does feel daunting at first because it's like, crikey, there's a lot here um yeah. but but the more you listen to it the more you just begin to appreciate that there are through lines and there are ways there are paths through it it's just they're into interwining and interweaving all over the place mm. um it it really is a reflection reflection of who greg is i feel
0: well i think that's why it it's not like something like ammo where it doesn't exactly. feel like i mean ammo did feel oh, if we get danny filth in we can do a kind of new metally song with danny filth in the middle and if we get you know grimes in then we can do a kind of modern pop thing and if we do this we can do that and if we can do that whereas well there's, ammo there's, felt there, cynical ammo felt yeah yeah uh, this and like you say this, this does i think cool. this feels like like you say a genuine reflection of the person that's making it yeah and it exactly. always feels like an authentic representation of always of the thing that he's doing and there are parts in it where you know like i say like i go I kinda of didn't see that coming, but then I kinda of also I kinda of did see that coming mm. because I I expected to be surprised. Mm. I think if if you're yeah, going yeah. into this like very aware of his entire back catalogue and probably like lots of the music that he likes and stuff, and if you can pick out those, you know, those little different moments from Dillinger or the Black Queen where you go, like that's not quite atypical of this genre whatever that genre happens to be um i mean we were talking about dillinger the other day when we were talking about exotic animal petting zoo and we were talking about you know the the sort of influence of loungy piano parts on the latter part of their career and you know um and there's bits of that in here like they're fleeting but i I think you you wouldn't be too surprised to hear that if you were aware of a song like widower for example Mm -hmm. from the dillinger escape plan you know there are um stuff like Through the Walls, where you think, well, if you listen to particularly that second Black Queen album and the more ambient stuff, I mean, I I don't think Through the Walls is a million, billion, trillion miles away from um, uh, uh, something like, well... (laughs) I don't want to use Talk Talk because I use them all the time, but Talk Talk. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, fuck it. Um, do,
1: you, because... do you know what I got from Through the Walls? Um, Barry White. <laughs>
0: really? <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. There's that a, is different, a, isn't it?
1: There's a really funky kind of sexy vibe on that song as it goes on. There's a really funky kind of guitar bit. But I,
0: I think there's just there's there's so many gaps of there's so there's there's so much space in that song.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. do you know what I
0: mean like yeah. it's a real again you know and, and that is I mean that, probably that's why I went to the, the talk talk thing straight mm-hmm. away but there's mm-hmm. there's so much space like unused space and people mm-hmm. might go unused space well I'll fill it in it's like no no that's the sort no, of the no, genius no, no. of it is you leave those you know those kind of silences to to, to, to give them more power um and to be fair
1: there are plenty of uh examples where where the space is completely and utterly totally filled on this record as well yeah i yeah, mean yeah, if you had course. we've talked about in the past where we've received streams on soundcloud and you get like a visual image of the um of where the sound's going uh you yeah. uh, spoke about it for the johnsy album last week didn't mm-hmm. you if you had one for the entirety of this record, if you had just like the visual audio in front of you, it would be coaster esque It would be all over the place, but in a really beautiful way, I think. Um, it's, uh, I, I mean, like, take a song. Uh, uh, what, what I find really exciting here is the stuff that I haven't really heard from um, Greg before. Um, mm-hmm. Down When I'm Not is just so delightful. It's like Dinosaur Jr. when they're happy or Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> when they're yeah, happy. Yeah. You know, ostensibly it's a pop song, um, just albeit with very heavy guitars and synth. But it's hmm. so catchy. Uh, it's this one which goes, it's not too late for us to start. Tell me what you're doing. I'll never let you
0: down. It's when better I'm than that, by the way, everyone. Around.
1: It's really good. yeah um, <laughs> It is better than that. Uh, Greg describes it himself as a fun little noisy alternative summer song about feeling in love and feeling like you're weightless racing and being propelled because of it, which is absolutely correct. He absolutely captures that feeling of it being summer and there's a girl that you really fancy and you told her that you fancy her and she said, I kind of fancy you too. And then you're like, oh my God, you know, that kind of thing.
0: That's never happened to me before, but I, I understand that it has happened, happened to happened, other people. Never and I imagine either. that that feels nice. Um, <laughs> my favorite on the album, if you don't mind me picking a favorite since we're here, is A Pair of Questions, which I think is fucking ima- amazing. How amazing. Okay, I mean, yeah. Why is that?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's probably my least favourite on the record. Is it? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it It's the the time where I'm trying not to just, because I feel like if a lot of people went, the Black Queen sound like Depeche Mode a lot. I feel like people said yeah. the Black Queen sound like Depeche Mode yeah. quite a lot. And whilst I don't think that is like untrue, mm. I think just you're going, oh, they just sound like Depeche Mode is definitely not true. Um, although a pair of questions is wonderfully evocative of um again black celebration era depeche mode were they to have released that album Mm. this year uh i think it sounds like
1: cindy Lauper.
0: i'll take cindy i mean there are a whole bunch of sort of 80s bands that i think you you could have chucked in there Mm. from from that sort of 84 to 86 period yeah that you know it is definitely a pop song yeah yeah a a, brilliant but a brilliant pop song and there's a i mean wonderful that one. is on the same album as roach hiss i know Fucking now
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah roaches is just a rager isn't it um contains the excellent line maybe grow a prick and go fuck yourself which i love <laughs> that's very greg um yeah no it's oh yeah well um that roaches is an absolutely brilliant song um popping back to uh a pair of questions very quickly there's that amazing unexpected swirl in the middle of it and then this massive guitar solo comes in totally out of nowhere and sounds absolutely huge i mean the 80s vibes on that song are absolutely ginormous mm. aren't they um yeah. i think my favorite song on a album full of favorite songs if i had to choose gun to head would probably be evacuation uh
0: starts Which in the comes very, straight after my favorite it
1: does yeah, yeah. it starts mm. in a very the black queen and it's quite interesting as well that we've chosen songs that are very um, far along this record, like a pair of questions is track twelve, well, and evacuation is thirteen. Yeah, yeah. So starts in a very sort of Black Queen esque manner, but then builds in a to a sort of Nine Inch Nails style chorus with that very familiar kind of Greg scream. Uh, also features the lyric "How could it all be," which I imagine is a reference to the Dillinger Escape Plan song "Prancer." Uh, in fact, maybe the whole song's a reference to Dillinger. I don't know, but. um... Who knows?
0: I don't know either. No. <laughs> so you were looking at me as if you thought that I knew. No, 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 no. I,
1: I, I, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm merely, I'm merely throwing, throwing something out know. there and saying I have no idea. But um, that you know, that's really, really interesting. I, I mean, I think the album ends absolutely sublimely. That last piano bit on "Heartfree" just absolutely kills me every single time. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. And September City. Uh, <laughs> another favorite is just a phenomenal album closer starts very very chilled serene Mm -hmm. and beautiful before kicking into a distorted shoegazy kind of end it's utterly sublime the bookends of this record are particularly amazing
0: i was about to say if you the the stream i've got plays once it ends it starts again yeah yeah so when september city ends and heaven of stone starts again it's almost like you just want it I mean, and that's the amazing thing of like an album which is so wildly diverse mm. so incredibly um eclectic and at all the time as well mm. which is you know like i say is, is it doesn't seem like anything is linked but yet when it goes all the way around it links up Quite from end to beginning yeah. just incredibly brilliantly and i think that's kind of testament to the fact that there is, there is method to this madness and it is a, it is a mad, you know, is you know, like if someone was to not know anything about Greg Pachato and they just went, Oh, here's a new album by a dude, a new kind of like solo artist. Let's have a listen. I feel like by the end of it, they would know everything they ever needed to know about this person. Yeah. But I also think they would probably go, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you'd go I, I know everything but I don't know how to compartmentalize exactly like you a normal person would not be able to see this coming a normal sort of un, like I don't want to use the word uneducated but a person who was unaware of Greg's work would not be would would probably go wow, what the fuck is this mm-hmm. but yeah it would tell you everything you needed to know about him as a person, I think. And that's that's a good solo album. There is one
1: record that I can think of that came out this year that I could compare it to. Uh, and not because they sound the same, but just because of the Corey Taylor? <laughs> no, fuck no uh just because of its sheer cory
0: can't do what he wants oh greg can do whatever he wants but when cory does whatever he wants that's because the quality control on Corey
1: taylor's record is severely lacking whereas the quality control on this record <laughs> yeah. is incredibly high throughout objectively um the uh the album it reminds me of the most not not because they sound the same at all but just the sheer diversity of it is that martin gretch record
0: oh uh, yeah mm. Mm. that's a good um, shout
1: uh, just they, they don't sound the same at all, um, but they're both just incredibly varied. And there's an awful lot of kind of like, where the hell is this going next? And yet somehow they manage to have a through line, which works. Um, I just realised we didn't mention, you know, I do just because I wanted to mention it because it reminds me of sex tape by Deftones, which I think is one of
0: the best. Greatest death tones
1: ballads, if uh, I want of a better word. I've not made
0: that connection before, but yes, I can see that. It's just lovely because it's very dreamy mm. and
1: lots of very mm. reverby. Um, are we probably should mention the length of the record. I do. I know. I go on about length of albums all the bloody time, and I bemoan the length of albums. This album is sixty four minutes and forty eight seconds. As I've already said, it is a hell of a lot to take in on one sitting. But the thing is. The quality is so high throughout. I just I said to you that A Pair of Questions... A Pair of Questions is your favourite song. It's my least favourite song on the record, if I'm honest. But A Pair of Questions for me is an 8 out of 10. And that's my least favourite song on the album. The quality is so high that even... The, I, I sat down with it this morning and I went, OK, try and edit this record down. And if I was being... And I, it, you wouldn't agree, obviously... But if I was being enormously harsh, like really, really fucking harsh, and I think this would be overly harsh, I would only take two songs off the record. And that's really? Through the Walls and A Pair of Questions. What the f-
0: <laughs> <laughs> you take the two best songs off the record wicked well okay well um, i
1: i think both of those songs are fan- i think they're both fantastic but I'm, I'm just saying if i had to come at it with editing scissors and go like you have to take something off this record like gun to head you must take something off it that's all i could come up with and and and, and I, every, I don't think every those, week. those songs should be on should be off the record
0: every week the chance of Remfrey getting an A&R job at a record label <laughs> grows less and less. And we're taking... What, look at this album. What are the two most likely songs like to t- be hit singles? Songs get get rid of them. Get rid of those songs. <laughs> the last thing we want is anything that... Uh, I would be shit. That, A&R. that is unbelievable. Remfrey would have taken Living on a Prayer off a Slippery wet. Get rid of that. We put on a B side? No, just ditch it. Get rid of it completely. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: We're yeah. thinking of releasing duality as a single. No, no. <laughs> One of my no. least favourite Slipknot songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, it is it actually is. <laughs> He is one of my least favorites of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Hey, I, d- I don't pretend that I know what I'm talking about. Well, I do actually. <laughs> yes, you do, yeah. <laughs> I do all the time. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, I don't know. Um, no, but yeah, like I say, I, I don't think those songs should be taken off the record at all. i I I just it, I, as,
0: you, I just would <laughs> love to dip you back into the like eight when when like Def Leppard are like we got this song pour some sugar on me and you're like no 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 I like that you got the you got that like eight minute thing that you played me the other day they're like oh, that was just us tuning up. We just like left the thing record No, that that that's the single. That's, that's the, the single. single. That's We're the that gonna... eight minute long thing of like Joe Elliott now gonna... working at fucking Domino's Pizza because you threw <laughs> bought some sugar on me in the bin.
1: <laughs> We're gonna talk about a band later who clearly have my propensity for uh, releasing odd singles. Um but yes, so I I I love that band. But um uh, yes, I I wouldn't actually want to take those two songs off it. I just kind of did it as an exercise of like, could I edit this down, and C- yeah.
0: could I ruin this person's career? <laughs>
1: um, and I wouldn't want to do that because, whilst yeah, it it is a lot to take in on one on one listen, like it, it. And you do feel kind of you do kind of feel exhausted by the end of it, but not in a bad way. You feel well, like uh, you've yeah, been uh, on a hell of a journey, you know.
0: Yes, you do. And I don't. I mean, I think the thing is, is because. Some albums are long and because they are passive listens, they kind of feel like their length or they, they kind of go by and you go, oh, I wasn't really paying attention to that, but it was nice. Some albums are long and they feel long because they're just boring or they're just not very good. Um, I mean, a lot of the albums that we've covered on Broken Records have been albums where you just go, my God, yeah, it got yeah. to like the 70 minute mark and it was the same fucking yeah. plodding, boring shit and why and why and why. Some albums feel long because and they feel exhausting because they demand your attention mm. throughout and mm. paying attention to and that, you know, like and paying attention to this record for that amount of time with all of its kind of, you know, lack, lack of, um, you know, respect for any kind of uh, genre boundaries, it, it, is, it is kind of exhausting because you don't know what's about to happen next. Mm. And it's exciting. But being on the edge of your seat for an hour, you know, yeah. there's a reason why they have scenes in action films where everything sort of stops. And and there's plenty of bits in this, which are, like like we've already mentioned, that are poppier and more easily digestible. But because plenty you don't- yeah but but because you are constantly like well what's coming next and where's this going to go and even like you mentioned big guitar riffs coming in in the middle of songs where you just usually probably wouldn't expect them to come i think you know it is exhausting but it's it's just it's exhausting because it's exciting
1: yeah 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 i agree Uh, and 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 whilst, whilst it does feel like... It feels like an epic album as opposed to a long album, I would say. Yeah. And whilst, um y- you know, yeah, 65 minutes is quite a long time, I don't think it feels 65 minutes long. It's kind of like... It's almost like the same feeling that I get when you go to the cinema and you see a really good summer blockbuster thing. Uh, I'm not talking about Fast and the Furious here. I'm talking about, like, the new Christopher Nolan film or something like that. Something really epic and big and, like, mm. something... Uh, that makes you think and laugh and cry and has all sorts of different sex in the city, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It
0: that made like me sex. think, made me think, I wish I was dead. Uh,
1: <laughs> I was thinking like Interstellar or something like that. I'm gonna yeah, see, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to see Tenet tonight, by the way. I'm quite oh, yeah, about okay. Yeah.
0: I've not seen that, I've not seen that yet. I'd like to see that. But, um, yeah, well, on.
1: cinemas are closing, mate. That's why I'm going to see it tonight. So, mm. <laughs> um, but um, yes, I it, it 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 gives me that same feeling where like I've been. You know, there's been like, yeah, I want to stress a good summer blockbuster because we've talked about summer blockbusters on this show a lot before. and Generally, we don't like them. Uh, But uh, on our our film diversions, which are always Mm. fun. We um, like Lost
0: Boys. That's what we like. Go on. uh,
1: Yes. Anyway. uh, uh, (laughs) So, um, yeah, it feels like that. It feels like when you come out of a summer blockbuster film and you are just... Thrilled yet exhausted at the same time,
0: mm. that's quite a very good way to put it, actually. Yes, so there you go. Um, the debut album by Greg Pichato, Child Soldier, Creative God, is out now. It's been out a week. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Nob, who fucking leaked it. You Nob. Um, <laughs> if you haven't listened to this yet, and I'm assuming that many of you, if you're interested you know the fact you, you as a fan probably if you're listening and you are a fan of Greg's work you probably have already listened to it and hopefully you're nodding along in agreement if you haven't then I think you absolutely must yes I think you must listen to this record because uh there is so much whatever type of music you're in, into there is there is so much to enjoy from it yes. it's great Yes. Um, let's move on to our next record it's the new album from Touché Amour it's called Lament it is their fifth studio album the follow up to 2016 Stage 4 an album which I had in the top 10 of my favourite albums of the decade that we did at the end of last year mm. um, I <laughs> usually I listen back to the album that we're that, that's come before even if it's just briefly just to kind of you know re-remember exactly where I was before and how that album sort of relates to the latest one I've not been able to do that with stage four still I don't know when I'm ever going to be able to listen to stage four again I imagine it will be a while um but I do know that I love that record
1: I think I've listened to stage four four or five times um not because i don't think it's an amazing record i think it's incredible uh it happened to coincide it came out around the time that my mum fell ill so it just wasn't a record that i ever really wanted to listen to uh i wasn't in a position where i needed to review it so i haven't listened to it all that much but yeah Mm. stunning record
0: yeah um and as i said you know a lot of why that record connected me was down to the very sort of personal nature of that record um i am not in fact a kind of hardcore touche and more fan i don't think but um from from before that record coming out Uh i was always like oh they're a good band and i quite like them and then that happened and i was like wow this is you know this is something very very special but obviously due to that i was very interested to hear this record thanks to that strong connection that i had with their previous album
1: i think whether you have that connection or not it's a hell of a thing to follow up an album like stage four isn't it um, yeah. I mean, whether whether you can um, relate to it empathetically or sympathetically, uh, an album that was so raw, uncompromising and exposed. I mean, Jeremy Baum is phenomenal at uh, the, the, the manner in which he just pours his emotions out onto the page is, is or, or, or pours his emotions out through his mouth into the microphone. It's absolutely uh there's not many people who 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 are as good at it as as him mm. i mean he reminds me of well, jeff rickley in that sense and people artists like that well, there's we, that kind of hard to shame or i have that hardcore edge but with the emo side of it as well you know
0: we spoke so, about idols a couple of weeks ago and people yeah. were saying how bad idols um vocals are but actually the approach of what idols do although they are both you know the lyrics from an Idols album and the lyrics from a Touche and More album are very, very different. The approach to me is not... They're not a million miles away from each other in terms of no. how honest and how blunt they are. Mm. Like, Jeremy's lyrics are... They probably aren't as obvious because they are taken from, a, you know, for the main, a much more personal place. Mm. But they are very blunt. Like, yes. there's no... You know, there's no... um you know, there's no suggestion that that might be about something else. You know, it's just that like you have to kind of accept what he's saying, f- pretty much at face value, and it is specifically about that thing. Although, because he kind of cloaks, he doesn't cloak that because he talks about things that you you didn't know happened in the first place. When idols talk about talk, to- this is we hate toxic masculinity. That is what we think. Mm-hmm. Jeremy bone will say this thing happened to me, and you don't know that it happened. So it means that you can kind of go, okay, well, I don't exactly know what that's referring to. So I do get to put my own kind of spin on exactly what that means. But I think ultimately, like, the actual approach to sitting down and creating lyrics, they're not that far away from each other, really. I don't he, think.
1: He doesn't cloak all that much in metaphor. No. He probably no. does use metaphors at some points. Uh mm. But, but, but it's very very straight like very rarely i would imagine
0: when he's talking about i you know i crashed my car and walked away unscathed when he's talking about i can't put that song on when he's talking about i walked down this hall you go well that that's exactly what you're talking about that's not a metaphorical hall you're not talking about you know my relationship is a car crash you're talking about actually crashing your car i think that's sort of what i meant so those things are blunt but because they are abstract to us because we're not privy to the inf- the exact information that he's talking about. It gives it that. It, it, it means you can kind of, I, I guess, put your own, you can put yourself into those positions. I think it's a really difficult thing to manage. I think it's a very hard skill to nail. I think he's as good as, at doing it as pretty much anyone in the world at the moment. Um, and I know he's kind of described this album as a sort of an accompaniment piece to stage four um it deals um, with the
1: aftermath of stage four doesn't it really i think it's fair to say yeah
0: yeah i i think it does but i think um there's also a kind of clear distinction to move away from some of the thematic through lines that that album had which i think is probably a fairly good idea i mean the the opener come heroine um Seems to make a point of immediately, like musically speaking, particularly, I think makes a point of going, we're not going to just carry on exactly down that road again, because I think it would be too difficult to do that. And I think lyrically, it it's one of those ones where I didn't hear it kind of address, the, you know, the, the events of stage four. Um, um it doesn't it doesn't straight away
1: it doesn't it doesn't it's a no to jeremy's partner um and how she stuck by him whilst he was going through that stuff so mm. it, yeah it it doesn't it doesn't i would say um yeah and, and it actually feels like in terms of a kind of the next step forward that feels like a very kind of smart move to do that you're still kind of referencing those events without directly referencing them i suppose
0: yeah um, yeah exactly that's yeah. That's a better way to say it, I think. I think it was. It's a sweet
1: you know, way it, to open the album, I think.
0: I, I think so, yeah. I think it's a really clever way to open a record, and it's a, a great song. And, yeah. you know, this is in general, um, I mean, there's the, the, musically, like, I think because of just the the, the emotional weight that Touche and what Jeremy carries and brings to a Touche album, I think that you can often slightly take. The, the band for granted. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't think you should. I mean, there's a baseline on reminders and as good as all the lyrics are, I was like, well, that baseline is fucking amazing. It's wicked. Mm. And, you know, it's, um. Th- th- there's a, there's a song called limelight and, um, and it, there's a segment at the end where uh, Andy Hull from um, Manchester orchestra comes in with this really kind of somber melody mm. over Jeremy's kind of ball in vocal and it's really, really fucking powerful. And it's my favorite, there were points. Favorite
1: moment of the album.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And, yeah. it, it, and, and it, but it's a really good reminder that, I mean, uh, this probably sounds like a shitty thing to say, but whenever I think of Two Share More, whenever I think of stage four, my mind goes straight to Jeremy and straight to those lyrics and mm. straight to that vocal performance. And, what i what i loved about this record and what i really like about this record is that and i don't think that's fair of me to do that either because even as soon as i hear that ding da-ding, that guitar part at the start of flowers and you on the last record that gives me a even thinking about it, it gives it like a, a a chill down my spine they're a fucking great band mm. but i've not thought about that as much over the last few years because i've thought of all the other things that are wrapped up in that record and i'm really glad that i've got this album and i'm like oh no no fucking actually touche and more they're a brilliant band yeah like they're a brilliant group of musicians who create really unusual and very eclectic and very smart punk rock and yeah. they they're a really tight great band you know yeah. they are actually a far better group of musicians than my head immediately goes to
1: i totally agree i think that this album is at its best when it's experimenting and actually actually getting as far away from the quote-unquote standard touche amore sound or blueprint as possible um they've struck a pretty good balance between not completely abandoning what they've done in the past whilst also venturing into um hitherto uncharted waters um as i said and as you've already mentioned, the highlight of the record for me is Limelight, and a lot of that is to do. A lot of that is to do with the contribution from Manchester Orchestra's Andy Hull. Um, I've wanged on about how I adore Manchester Orchestra on this uh, podcast quite a few times, but the first time I listened to this um, album, I didn't read the press notes before uh, before uh, listening to it, so I didn't realise that Andy was on the record and his voice came through. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Andy Hull. Um, it reminds me of Jason Butler coming in towards the end of stained glass ceilings by the wonder years. It's just that it just lifts the whole song. It's utterly sublime. Uh, it's just one of those, it's one of those guest vocal appearances like Maynard on passenger or something like that. It's just, so 90% of the time guest spots, uh on on um albums are kind of a waste of time or they're a it, it it's basically cross promotion. It's the label yeah. going, Oh, why don't you do this with so and so artists and then maybe we can sell some more hate breed records or something like that. Uh, that other artists are available. Um and uh, but it's often Not breed, many though. It? <laughs> it's often hate breed, isn't it? Um and um, are the
0: Soulfly albums are available? Oh yeah,
1: that's actually a better yeah, that's yeah. a better shout. Um but um yeah, uh th- but Andy Hull's contribution to this song is just fucking excellent and like mm, you know, so brilliant he, he, he just he just i mean originally the band had asked him to come on the song and they were just expecting him to do some sort of background kind of vocal ooze um yeah. and he came in with this you know like 12 sort of lines of lyrics and he totally lifts the whole thing it's absolutely brilliant in terms of talking about the rest of the band i think i mean if there is a man of the match and i don't Yeah, I don't really want to point out just one person or two people on this record because I think you're right. It is the band as a whole that we should be focusing on. But I definitely agree with you that... You hear a lot more of the band itself on this album compared to, you know, it it has always felt very front and centre Jeremy Bond. But I think um, the guitarists Nick Steinhardt and Clayton Stevens really deserve a lot of praise on this record um, for the very unusual shit that they come up with. Uh, It's very, very cool. It's so unexpected to hear a pedal steel guitar uh, Mm. come in at the end of... um, uh limelight but also on that song a broadcast which is another yeah. highlight for me
0: kind of country vibe a, to it a
1: hardcore band doing country and western and yeah. you're like on paper that is not gonna work um but the pedal it's the pedal steel guitar which gives it that country vibe and it's fucking brilliant it's brilliant when it all comes crashing in around the minute and a half mark it's really unexpected and yet they keep that pedal steel part going and it sounds brilliant and like yeah like i said it should not work on paper but it really does does i'm not sure i've ever heard that before uh like a hardcore band developing like pedal steel stuff like caspian have used pedal steel quite a lot with heavy stuff Mm. and things like that but um i think woven hand probably have but a hardcore band doing pedal steel no off the top of my head
0: yeah, I mean they're not a hardcore band, are they? But, uh, no, um, so I was, I was just men- I'm
1: just mentioning yeah. heavy bands that use pedal steel. I can't off the can't top of my of... head.
0: I can't. Think. I think I, I think every time I die I might have done. At
1: maybe, one Maybe, maybe every time I die I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's also it's just rhythmically like it's a song called Exit Row on it, which is mm. it's just so rhythmically interesting. And again, like hardcore can be quite rhythmically dull you know and particularly this type of hardcore which is that kind of very fast-paced punk rock that kind of legit old school i mean i get calling them an old school hardcore band when they're so different to what people think about as an old school hardcore band mm, mm. is but 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 fast punk is what i mean Mm. um you know can be kind of drainingly monotonous (laughs) like do you know what i mean sometimes and this this isn't at all um actually just to interrupt that i think the rhythm's
1: a really good point to pick up on with this this record i mean there's there's something about the rhythm guitars in touche More that makes them what they are and makes them distinct i think Mm. debatably arguably even before jeremy comes in i mean once jeremy comes in it's like okay it's touche More. but i think On some of these songs, even before Jeremy comes in, you're like, that's touche amore. And to say that of any band is an amazing thing. And no disrespect to the genre, because you and I both love it, but to say that of a hardcore band is an incredible thing. i
0: tell you what, right? And this, like, my girlfriend knows nothing about this type of music. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. She can tell you the difference between Hatebreed and fucking, like, the Clash. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I was listening to this, and she was like, "Is that T. Moore?" It ah. just sounds like them, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" Like, so I mean, that it's is very impressive. That is, you know, like you must really, really sound yeah. like that band. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a blasting punk drum part savoring. that I think is really good on Savoring. Uh, I've never, I've, it. I've never, I've never been too subtle. Is the line on that? It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it kind of it, it starts fast, and then. It calms down and I think that's you know like kind of what I was saying I was expecting from Greg. It's kind of what you get here, I think. Um, according to Jeremy himself, the last three songs are the closest. The band get to really addressing the shadow of Stage 4 and I think if you are listening properly, you can probably tell that. Yeah. Um, I'll Be Your Host has been out a while and that kind of deals with the way that people have spoken to him after they heard Stage 4 and the kind of the burden that he felt um well it's a really interesting again it's it's kind of kind of meta i guess isn't it like to kind of put an album out about something and then have people talking to you about it and then put a record out about how people spoke to you about your last record but i think in this instance it's you know it 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 has to you know he uh, kind of has to address it it's it's honest it's like genuinely honest and um and that is what i would expect from them as a band mm-hmm. and Deflector seems to deal with how he's sort of, that's made him more tentative in talking to people. Yeah. Um, I'll test the waters. I won't dive right in. I'm not comfortable. I rarely am. Mm-hmm. He says on that. And then um, the closing song of forecast it, is, it feels like a sort of reassurance of him sort of detailing what he's learned about. And it's about, and it's about grief and just that piano at the start yeah. that where he feels like you, you're talking kind of one-on-one with him. And it's very obvious and very human. And uh, I think it's like that as an album closer is fucking brilliant. And again, it it ends on this little kind of rhythmic drum tattoo, which is fucking ace. Mm. Um, It's, it's well good. This record. Yeah, it's well good. It's a perfectly great album, a very, very good album. Um, Musically, I think it's excellent. I think Jeremy sounds great and he's done absolutely the, the right thing. And it, And I like it a lot. But in all honesty, it was like, they were never going to match stage four. And I think the fact that we're talking about a very, very good record and I'm like, this is great. I don't think anything, not for me, not for me. Like they, they, it's not an insult to them. It's just that sometimes you get such a close personal attachment with a record that it would be impossible for them to follow it up. And I think the fact that they have got this close Mm. to doing something which i'm like this is fucking great Mm. but i can't sit here and say to you like i'll listen to this in the same or well well to be saying it i mean the fact that i can listen to it without crying is probably means i will i will probably means i will listen to it more yeah um that's
1: that's the weird thing because like i do i certainly agree with you that lament Uh, for me isn't as um certainly not as powerful a record as stage four and i don't think it is as good i think it's an incredible follow-up to an album which is astonishingly difficult to follow up um it's not not for the same reasons but it kind of reminds me of machinehead having to follow up the blackening or, you know, like, and and I, I and we've talked about
0: a few, the Satanist by Behemoth. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much impossible to follow that yeah. up and have people go, oh, this is as good. Yeah. You can't really. Yeah.
1: I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, any coincidence at all that it's, you know, this is their first album in four years. I think they do feel that pressure. To do it, you know. Um, and it's interesting uh, th- this is produced by Ross Robinson, you know. It's interesting yes. that they've brought him in um to kind of help them with that. And I do it's one of those cases where I feel like they've done absolutely everything right, but your previous uh, stage four will likely go down as Touche and Moore's best record. So it's it's kind of it just because of the circumstances of it. And I I imagine they might realize that and accept that themselves but that doesn't mean that there's no worth to this record at all i think it's a fantastic follow-up um in very difficult circumstances and it's definitely a record that i'm going to return to a lot and treasure a lot and (laughs) realistically for me because of because i'm able to um empathize with the circumstances of stage four to a degree uh it's lament is one that i'm going to be able to return to more frequently than stage four i think
0: yeah, me too. I agree with that. It's very, very good. Um, uh, well done. Uh, like, uh, I guess they just had to get over that bump, didn't they? Because like you say, stage four is a, a, a almost impossible thing mm. to have to follow up. And yeah. yet they've done, I, I don't know what else they could have done.
1: Yeah, I agree. They've done an incredible mm. job. Incredible job.
0: There you go. Lament by Touche More is out now. Four year gap between those albums. Four year gap between the two albums of these guys let's move on bon jovi 2020 the 15th studio album from the new jersey superstars the follow-up to 2016's this house is not for sale again incredibly difficult to follow up uh, <laughs> this house is not for sale <laughs> oh, um oh man um uh, I just want to start this off right john bon jovi was on a podcast recently where he got bono trending because he said, Oh, my upbringing's not the same as Bono's because I wasn't getting orange men in the streets chucking rocks at me. And then everyone piled onto Bono on Twitter as if he actually said that. Well, John Bon Jovi made it. He, John Bon Jovi said it. Why haven't I got Bono? Because John Bon Jovi's making stuff up that he said he didn't even fucking say it. So, one, that you've already got my goat a little bit by <laughs> starting shit on, like, dobbing Bono in for something. Um,
1: Started off on a good foot there
0: started off on a good foot but you know here we have 15 albums in bon jovi no richie sambora anymore no this um, is the third
1: album which hasn't featured richie sambora yeah uh, it's I, I, the guitarist is phil x who is yeah. a friend of uh, john who edits this podcast by the way interesting fact All right, yeah. right is back he
0: related back. to malcolm <laughs> x <laughs>
1: I I well he's white so I doubt it. Well, I was going to say
0: it's <laughs> if he is and he's playing on this <laughs> he's not going to be welcome at many dinner parties. Uh <laughs>
1: all right go on let's get on with it
0: (laughs) okay um but so bon jovi like it's weird this isn't it because obviously we call ourselves an alternative music podcast and yet here we are reviewing (laughs) bon jovi who probably in reality have less to do with the world of alternative music than fucking nickelback in 2020 i don't even really know what sort of person that we would associate ourselves with, even listens to Bon Jovi in 2020 Renfri. It's funny, isn't no, it? No,
1: yeah. I, w- I was really interested. I mean, this album came out last week, but I was kind of, I was curious to do it because I think I've mentioned on this show, like before before my brother kind of intercepted my music tastes and uh, gave me tapes by Guns N' Roses and Metallica and stuff like that, um, I had two albums on hard rotation, uh, Bat Out of Hell 2 by Meatloaf and Crossroads by Bon Jovi um and uh i i mean you can't really wear out cd's but i played it a lot like i i, I probably still know every single lyric to every single song on crossroads mm-hmm. i would have thought and you have um s- uh, surely you have some at least a grudging respect for bon jovi you went to see him live didn't you
0: i did bon jovi uh... <laughs> Greatest hits of Bon Jovi is a is mm. a good time.
1: Absolutely, the yeah,
0: greatest yeah, yeah. hits of Bon Jovi. I mean, particularly Crossroads. You know, like yeah. it misses out. It's my life. I mean, what a wicked song that is.
1: Uh, Crossroads. Well, that's because Crossroads came out in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like, two thousand one. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think it was earlier than that. Actually, was it two thousand one? Two
1: thousand. I think it was two
0: thousand. But but anyway, yeah. But my point is, is that that's really the last great Bon Jovi single I think.
1: well that's that's certainly what um yeah that's certainly the common kind of uh uh that's what that's what most people would say i think it's kind of maybe the last um classic bon jovi quote-unquote um song like the the last that you the last that would be like a floor filler and i think to give bon jovi some respect not that I've gone in on any... In fact, Crush, which that song is taken from, is the last Bon Jovi album that I've listened to in full, if I'm totally honest with you. So this is the first Bon Jovi album I've heard in full in 20 years. Um, but I think since then, he's done he's done the thing that we talk about that artists should do as they're growing older and, and sort of has grown old gracefully to a degree in that he's changed his set. He's not trying to redo Living on a Prayer over and over again. And that's I, true. I have to give him some respect for that i'm not i'm not a massive fan of what he's doing now but i at least think that what he's doing works for him and his voice
0: He always wanted to be bruce springsteen didn't he uh,
1: bruce springsteen is going to come up a few times in this record and yeah absolutely the springsteen thing you know he's from new so jersey is my
0: lunch unfortunately yeah but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, he's and there are there are there are a few Springsteen moments on this record. Um, I believe we disagree with this, but I'm going to say that I think there are some moments where he um, tries to do a Springsteen and it comes across as mawkish and sentimental and a little bit um, too OTT and too...
0: American. No, surely surely not <laughs> i was
1: gonna say american for want of a better word yeah i do actually think there are there are fewer of these moments but i think there are actually some moments where he properly hits the, the nail on the head there is one song and i already know from our private discussions that you disagree with this but there's one song that i think if the boss released it it would be it would actually be put up there with one of one of uh Springsteen's greatest songs if it had been done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Come on. Come on. Which I this was love. nothing on here. There was n- there's nothing on here that would get on crossroads. Uh,
1: well, it's a very different era of Bon Jovi, oh, isn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm making
0: excuses already. If it wouldn't get on the greatest hits of Bon Jovi, it wouldn't get on the greatest hits of Bruce Springsteen. One of his greatest ever songs. You grow up. There's there there is a song
1: on here that I th- I think is is for latter day Bon Jovi. Pretty difficult to beat, I would say.
0: You've moved the goalposts fairly significantly <laughs> there, haven't you? <laughs> You've moved the goalposts fairly significantly there. You've gone, there's one song on here that would be one of the best ever Bruce Springsteen songs. And within a minute, you've changed that to, there is one song on here that would be difficult to beat in the last 20 years of Bon Jovi, right? So let's just acknowledge how far that goalpost has moved in a minute. Anyway, let's get you back down so quickly then. Um, okay, There fine. is one song here that is better than anything on Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> uh, there is one song in here that's nearly as good as the third best song on the Corey Taylor album. That's what I meant to say.
1: Okay, well, if you're going to make Corey Taylor references, I think this is <laughs> head and shoulders above Corey Taylor, which is interesting because well, the reason yeah. the reason why uh, like some people might be like, well, that's just you're just being a uh, you know an an ass uh, yet what yet again bringing up Corey Taylor and all those people who fucking love it because uh, they've basically been paid. I don't to think there are any. Ad- yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Um, uh, there's actually a pretty good uh, comparison to be made because they're basically trying to get the same audience, more or less, i.e. people who don't really like music and and who like dumb American rock. I mean, it is more or less the same thing. It's just Bon Jovi is an established artist who's been doing this for a long time and there isn't as much of a, a saleable story. He's already got his ingrained fan base who are going to mm. lap this record up whether they like it or not kind of thing. Whereas the Corey Taylor record is a story because it's like, oh, Corey Taylor's doing a solo album for the first time ever. And there's actually something to to talk about there. Um, To many people, to many, many people, this is just another Bon Jovi record. There are a few things that I think should be noted with it. Um, Like many of the records that we talked about this year, um, this was pushed back. Uh, due to COVID-19. Well, Um, they
0: started recording it in March 2019.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So it's been a while, this record, hasn't it?
1: It's been a very long time. Uh, But the real reason why I think it's worth mentioning that it's been pushed back, it was originally going to be released on May 15th, 2020. Um, But whilst in quarantine, lead singer John Bon Jovi wrote two more songs that would be included in the final album. Do What You Can, which represents the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic, and American Reckoning, a protest song about George, Floyd, George Floyd's death and support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Before the postponement, the songs Love Can and Shine were initially part of the album, but they got replaced by Do What You Can and American Reckoning. Uh, the tracklist order, order also changed, since the first version of the album was supposed to start with Beautiful Drug, that would have been terrible, and finished with Blood in the Water, which wouldn't have been great either.
0: Um... So before we go into those two songs, let's just say, so it starts with Limitless, which is a, mm. a very kind of U2-like kind of track, I think. Mm. It's not really very good. Nothing really happens. It's not a great bombastic big opener. It's just a sort of modern-y sounding like radio rock in a sort of Imagine Dragons kind of way, but done by Bon Jovi. Scrap that. That's uh, over. It's done.
1: It, it would be a good live show opener. I understand why it's been written and I understand why it's first on the record
0: yeah me too and then they go into uh do those two can. songs which mm. you just mentioned so yes we've got the kind of country twang light of your yes. on uh, on do what you can um about it's sort of uber posse isn't it about making the most of life in the pandemic it's yes. um, it's kind of embarrassing but uh, i guess you can't really knock bon jovi for being too earnest can you really
1: no, well, no, not really. <laughs> you really can't. That's like, that's like. I mean, you could,
0: but that seems mean.
1: That well, it's just, it's just, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous thing to do. That's like, you, know, like knocking the sun for being too hot. I mean, you know, it's just, I, I, I think. Yes, this, this country twang that has developed. I mean, this, this is what I mean by the latter day Bon Jovi sound. There's, there's a lot more country to it than there was. Mm-hmm. Country sells very, very well in America. Um, and you can definitely hear that on Do What You Can. It's not strictly to my tastes, this song at all. Um, I disagree with you when you say embarrassment, simply because, like I've kind of already mentioned, I think this country sound works for him. I think it works with the timbre of his voice. I it, think it, it suits that style.
0: And yeah, it's not really the sound. It's sort of the... And then they're boarded up Broadway and they're trying to find a vaccine. And it's like, is, it, is a fucking... <laughs> did Trey Parker and Matt Stone write this? Like, yeah. it, Again, <laughs> you shouldn't really mock John Bon Jovi for being earnest. And again, you know, the sentiment is nice, but yeah. I just think yeah. like... <laughs> It's proper say what you see. Say what you see, in it, John? Yeah. He's, been watch- he's watched half an hour of CNN and he's gone, and then the man on the telly said, you can go to the pub. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, I know we know that. And then, but still do what you can. See yeah. you later.
1: I mean, again, lyrically, you know, not, there's there's quite a few lyrical faux pas on this record to say the least. Um, but, you know, the, b- Bon Jovi's audience laps that stuff up, you know uh I mean, I mean the majority of you know and this will sound uh snide and it will sound like um pretentious and all that sort of shit, but the majority of Bon Jovi's audience are people who don't really don't really listen to music. it's background music for them, and that isn't actually a reflection on Bon Jovi itself. that's more when you get an audience of that size, you don't get you don't have what what was that album that you released 50 million people can't be wrong or something like that Mm. you can't get 50 million people listening to your records who are all listening to them in the intent way that you or i do or the majority of people who listen to this podcast do that's just a fact so you know you can blow it off as pretentious or whatever if you want but it's also factually accurate um american reckoning
0: oh here we go bon jovi (laughs) go run the jewels (laughs) isn't (laughs) it So this is about George Floyd. And again, like it's a nice sentiment, Um, but I think unlike do what you can, which is a kind of a nice sentiment and it's a bit hokey um, in the hands of John Bon Jovi uh, talking about the black lives matter movement. uh, He lacks the gravitas uh, needed for such a kind of tragic, nuanced and incendiary event. John, Like, bless you, mate, but you got to not do that, I think. Um,
1: I see this from a slightly different perspective. American Reckoning is absolutely... It's mawkish, it's sentimental. Um, I I wouldn't say it's brilliantly... I don't think it's, like, objectively bad, but I don't think it's, like, brilliantly written either. Um, But what I think Bon Jovi should be congratulated for... And this is kind of like the idols thing in a way, but even on an on even larger scale, on a monumentally big scale, I think he should be congratulated for tackling a subject that could very well alienate large parts of his fan base.
0: Well, it's funny actually, because I listened, me and my girlfriend were listening to this and she was like, be, like being American, she was like, he's going to lose a fuckload of fans over this Exactly. Song.
1: Bon Jovi mm. recently told AP... And I
0: said, yes, and I, and I said, yes, that harmonica solo is really bad, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Von Jovi recently told AP, I am a witness to history, and if I took that position throughout the project. I didn't think it would be political. I thought it would be social commentary. Now, whether you think the song is political or just social commentary, to be honest with you, I think the two are pretty interlinked anyway. I think social commentary is just a way of saying, oh, it's not political really, when it actually is. Um, It is a very, it's a very brave thing for an artist as big as Bon Jovi to do. And I think you cannot deny that. I don't think the song's wonderful, but it is really brave for an artist like Bon Jovi with his audience to do that. And for that alone, whilst I I don't love the song, I don't think it's great, but the respect that I have, and I didn't think I'd be saying this about this record, I have to say, but the respect that I have for John Bon Jovi for, for, for putting that song on there is actually pretty massive. In terms of the lyrics it is very say what you say what you see but i don't think these lyrics are awful another mother's crying as history repeats i can't breathe god damn those eight long minutes lying face down in cuffs on the ground bystanders pleaded for mercy as one cop shoved a kid in the ground when did a judge and a jury become a badge and a knee on these streets i'll never know what it's like to walk a mile in his shoes and i'll never have to talk uh and I'll never have to have the talk so it don't happen to you. Three little words written across the chest of a 12-year-old who hasn't lived life yet. Am I next? Am I next? I don't think those are awful lyrics at all. They're very, you know, again, in an idol's way, they're very, you cannot mistake what that is
0: about. <laughs> no. no, I think, like, what you've done there and reading them out in such a uh, blunt way has has given them... Um, more power than John gives them by uh, kind of grizzling his way through some very middle of the road country and some quite overly earnest vocal delivery. I so do, I do, I do agree. It sound, it actually sounds better. I mean, it's quite damning for me to go. It actually sounds better when you read it out with no, Emotion putting it at all uh, than it does with Bon Jovi trying to get his point across in his song.
1: I do actually agree that for once I have performed the lyric better than the artist has. <laughs> <laughs> and yes i do agree with you that when tied to the song itself it makes it sound more mawkish and it does make it sound more sentimental and it you know blah 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 and and it it does it does cheapen it it does
0: cheapen it go on you should get together with richie sambora and do (laughs) a bon jovi tribute band we just go shot through the heart and you're to blame you give love a bad name
1: Richie, if you're listening, I would love to do that. I would fucking love that. Yeah, absolutely bad. bad. I'm your, a cowboy. Your love is like bad medicine. Bad medicine <laughs> is what I need. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh- <laughs> Good.
0: Um, anyway, I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, it's a it's. Yeah, it, again, sentiment's lovely. I think you're right. Like fair play to him for saying it because he's going to lose a lot of fans. Um If they bother to listen to the lyrics. If is, they yeah. properly bother to listen to it and but but it is sh- but it is shit, um, it's shit. Oh, it's not kind of
1: grey. I can't it's I can't stick up for the song, but yeah.
0: uh, and they were written in, in lockdown and then the fucking the next one, Beautiful Drug, first thing he yeah. says is, "Take your masks off." <laughs> I mean, what are you <laughs> It's like the first lyric after that is "Everybody take your mask off." It's like John, mate, what exactly are you trying to say here? I mean, it's actually a fairly enjoyable song, but it feels like a sort of fairly meaningless Bon Jovi song. But isn't it after those two things about the pandemic and about the George Floyd incident, you then the literally the next song you go, "Everybody take your mask off." I'm like what? <laughs> are you
1: fucking mad? I don't think who
0: didn't Who didn't clock that?
1: <laughs> that's brilliant i didn't notice that i i didn't notice it i i hold oh, my um, hands up
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable unbelievable um it's all right i mean story of love you mentioned at the start is oh, a bad terrible. bad acoustic shite terrible. uh kind of song that
1: adam <laughs> reese would like i reckon shout out adam <laughs> <laughs>
0: adam reese is a,
1: a good friend of ours works for metal hammer he fucking loves a powered ballad um oh, and uh i think about- even
0: he i think even he's got more like self-worth than to listen to oh, story do, of love do,
1: Adam if you're listening do get in contact with us and tell us listen to story of love and tell us if you uh, like it or not I'd be curious to know. let it
0: rain is again unbelievably earnest and it talks about really obvious lyrics about putting up the umbrella to shelter from the yeah. storm and pound, all this sort of shit yeah. pound land quite, Bruce
1: Springsteen yeah. quite, yeah, quite yeah, funny
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. lower the flag is fucking abysmal again right,
1: okay here it is this is
0: the song you are shitting me (laughs) you are shitting me i'm telling
1: you man if lower the flag was performed by bruce springsteen you'd be like yeah atlantic city level it is fucking excellent that song really yeah yeah i think it's brilliant um it deals with the topic of mass shootings in a really gracious and considerate manner again like the, the the way that I, I mean, it really reminded me of Springsteen in that in that way. Um, obviously, it's an obvious influence, and sometimes Bon Jovi rips Springsteen off in a horribly sappy and maudlin way. I think Let It Rain is a very good example of that. There's quite a few examples of that on this song. Uh, but then... On the likes of "Lower the Flag," I think he gets it perfect. I really do. I think. I think if Springsteen wrote the song, people would be hailing it as a great Springsteen song. I think what I said earlier about one of his best is probably a little OTT. I'll admit, but if this, if "Lower the Flag" was on a latter-day Springsteen record and Springsteen performed it, I think people would go mad for it.
0: Again, I think it's. It's just, a I... <sighs> This type of material is just sort of far too far, far too heavy for John Bon Jovi Jovi. to to tackle. I mean, it kind of makes it sound trivial in his hand. It's like a mild annoyance rather than a tragedy. And I just, I mean, I I get what you're saying because I think there's no like, get rid of your guns. Like it was probably what Mm. Springsteen would have been like, get rid of your fucking guns. Like no more shootings. Whereas this is like, this is a tragedy that we and it's and and just says this is sad that this shit is happening Mm. and doesn't really offer any solutions to it. And, and tries to, and I feel like it sort of tries to placate everyone or, or, which is, which is an, an okay way to approach it. I guess, I guess. Um, it's just, I just feel like this sort of, this type of material, this type of thing is just too much for John Bon Jovi to carry on his back without him sounding like the over earnestness of it swamps a very very serious topic and just makes it sound a bit like it yeah just like a mild annoyance
1: all i can say is the first time i listened to this record i was very much echoing what you're saying and like oh john you know like i admire you you know uh, doing a, a song about George Floyd, but you know, your, your ideas above your station and yada, yada, yada. And then this song came on, and certainly, I mean, I do understand how you could go either way with it, but when he started naming all the places where there have been all these mass shootings, just burst, that's quite good, burst into tears. Did you, tears. you yep.
0: wet little guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fucking hell, man. I mean, it is. It, I think it's really. I think it's you... exactly the way Springsteen would have approached it. And I think, I no, think, no, no, no. I think, in Springsteen's hands, I think people would be going mad about that song.
0: I mean, actually, I think Blood in the Water is actually quite good. I quite um,
1: like Blood in the Water, and that's
0: got. Yeah. I mean, that's about immigration. So yeah, yeah. well played, Bon John. and <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, sure. uh, uh, it's all right. I mean overall this is this is a bad it's a bad album this is a pretty bad record. overall
1: yeah it's not great yeah
0: you know but then are bon jovi actually any good really at making albums have they ever been a great album band i mean i like i'm not you're probably more of a fan in general than i am and but you had crossroads and yeah that is great they've been a yeah. good singles band i mean yeah. i don't personally think that they've ever really been a I know people will look at Slippery When Wet and New Jersey and keep the faith and go, no, those albums are good. I mean, are they actually good albums? My
1: favourites keep the faith. I, I can't say I've been back to it for a long time. I have to say, New Jersey is not a good record. There's a lot of filler on New Jersey. Slippery When Wet I haven't listened to for fucking ages. Although um yeah no i i i agree with and understand what you're saying like even if he even if he has written one or two stonkingly great records from start to finish and i'm not 100 percent sure he has uh he's he's only written maximum two out of 15 and that yeah. that is um keep the faith and uh slippery when wet and i'm not even prepared to say that to be honest even though i just yeah. have- Confused, <laughs> so I mean, I,
0: I, you know, I didn't expect a great Bon Jovi album because I don't expect Bon Jovi to make good records, to no. be honest. But I thought there'd be a couple of decent singles on here. I think there probably are a couple of like songs that if they appeared in his live set, Limitless, you would go, Yes, yeah, I think if that came along Limitless. in the live set. Like as the opener, you'd go. Of course, you're opening with the first song on your new album. Fair enough. And if not in the Water I think Limitless on, Live would right? be
1: great. I think Limitless Live would be great. And you know, just there, I've just sung a hook. That's something that you can't do with the Corey Taylor record. Can't remember a fucking thing from it.
0: No, I, I mean that's so, a very, very good. That's a very good point. Actually, is that like I can pretty much remember the chorus to every single song on this record.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You do what you want, and you <laughs> do, do what you can. Japan
0: um <laughs> i'm not gonna do all of them though uh, i <laughs> will American, uh,
1: yeah exactly yeah no, he can like fair play he can do this that that thing he can do that thing that cory taylor's trying to do well much yeah exactly fucking better than cory taylor La-
0: last last week we were saying how you've only really got to do one thing yeah and that is make and um, turn your guitars up a bit and write some choruses that people will, that will stick in people's minds and on that metric i guess this is a good album i mean it certainly yeah. shows more uh i mean the, the difference is is that you know this has this has a purpose right Do you know what i mean yeah. like there's actually some sort of like there is some sort of level of per- i mean i was about to say there's some sort of quality control there <laughs> um i think there's an inherent like there's an, an inherent understanding of what they want to do what they want to say and how they want to craft those songs which is not apparent on the Corey taylor album mm. at all mm. so if you are looking exactly. for i mean if the, you know this is there, there are there are moments on i mean there are points on this album that i think are arguably at least as bad as the worst moments on the Corey taylor album i mean when he starts
1: really i don't i don't know if i would say that. i mean
0: story of love is fucking oh. terrible. Story of Absol- love is terrible absolutely fucking terrible and if Sa- you just sample lyric
1: I- fathers love daughters like mothers love sons they've been writing our story before there was one from the day you arrive till you walk till you run there is nothing but pride there is nothing but love <laughs> rubbish no that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty shit yeah it's yeah
0: like dead crap i still
1: rather i think i'd still rather listen to story of love than um fucking cmft can't be stopped though story of love doesn't i i
0: can't even remember how cmft must be stopped even goes now i mean again that that is yeah i know but you'd think that that would at least isn't it like hey (laughs) hey fuck off i'm a fucking yeah is that it <laughs> Is that how it goes? Looking Is that, how it goes? Yeah, Is that how it goes? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, i'll get you now. And fuck off, because I'm Corey Taylor. <laughs> Is that how it goes? Yes, that's right. That's exactly. I think it. that's how it goes. I mean, I, I Corey genuinely Taylor. don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Then we went to the cowboy place and I did a riff and then I was like, fuck off. <laughs> That's, exactly, that's probably yeah. the best song on the Cory Taylor yeah album. yeah yeah. Just like record that record that put <laughs> it out quickly all those morons <laughs> will like it um <laughs> oh, a
1: bit of documentary footage from the Cory Taylor recording sessions there
0: <laughs> yeah whereas at least you feel like you know he's thought about these songs yes, quite a lot exactly. he's probably he's probably thought a little bit too much oh, about yeah. some of them to oh, be yeah. perfectly honest yeah, yeah, but yeah. yes, I mean it is just about I mean God it's not the bar for both of those albums, not very high, but oh, it's fair play. Way, it's astonishing, yeah. way, though.
1: Look, I'm just going to say this one more thing. I did not expect to come into this record liking it, and as an album overall, I, I don't, I don't particularly like it. I'm not going to return to it. Um, I am going to return to Lower the Flag, but I'm not going to return to the record as a whole. What I didn't expect is to come into it with even more, like to to, to get any more respect for John Bon Jovi. And I really, I really have like like doing this. Like he did say, you know, I'm re- like you can't release a record in this time without commenting on this stuff, um, or or any artist worth their salt shouldn't do that. And I I'm totally with him on that. And and t- to give him credit, like whilst he has gone about it in a really cack handed way, at least he's done it. And there's some artists who aren't even fucking bothering.
0: It's true there you go 2020 by bon jovi the glorious rebirth uh copyright renfrey deadman 2020 uh let's move on talk about something so different thank god um atlas vending by mets the fourth album from the canadian post punks the follow-up to their 2017 album strange Peace. uh renfrey i know very very little about mets in
1: fact ah. this is
0: my first time listening to one of their records oh wow
1: okay i'm ve- okay i know quite a bit about mets um yes uh, as you said fourth album they're on sub pop which i just feel like is an important thing to say because uh, there's a very uh, sub poppy vibe i think to what they do um mm-hmm. interesting you calling them a post-punk band um i wouldn't have called them a post-punk band although Based on this record, I understand why you said that. I certainly think they're a punk trio, because uh, they are. Um, this record was co-produced by Ben Greenberg, who worked on that uniform record, and it also has the engineering and mixing skills of Seth Manchester, who's worked with Daughters, Ignota, and The Body, and it was done at Machines with Magnets in Portucket, Rhode Island. Now, um, it's interesting that you don't know Mets, because I think you would fucking love them. Um, I would be stunned if you don't like this record. But what I will say about this album is it's very, is it very different to what Mets do? It's fairly different to what Mets normally do. Um, The Daughters connection is really, really interesting because to me, this record, on this record alone, Mets sound like Daughters covering songs by Pup. And if that appeals to you, then you are in for a treat with this album. Am I correct? That's very good.
0: That's very good. That's very good. In fact, I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't say that myself because that is that is really good. Yeah, that is as close to it as you can possibly get, I think. I fucking I don't have anything to say now.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask you a question. Am I correct in my assumption that you like this record because this seems Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah I, yeah,
0: I I I really really do like this record. Right, I think it's it? wicked. Um yeah. there's loads and loads of stuff that that just that, that I just enjoy yeah. in my per, in my personal life um you know kind of dissonant, angular dissonance yeah <laughs> dissonant angular alternative rock mm. oddly weird catchy bits coming out of nowhere that I didn't really expect yeah. loads of slabs of white noise um And kind of a rock and roll, almost a kind of garage rock. And when I say garage, I'm not talking about the hives and the strokes. and Like early garage, like 60s MC5 garage rock um, groove and rumble to it. Like there's a song... There's a song on it called... I mean, I, let me just get my bit out of the way, actually, because I don't really have loads to say. I just think this is a really good album. I will say Hail Taxi is fucking yeah. fantastic. Great it's song. got that that groove to it. Hits really hard. Massive chorus. Loads of interesting little twists and turns. I really love that. Framed by Comets uh, is really good, too. And I've put that it sounds like Trailer Dead meeting Sonic Youth, meeting Lightning Bolt. And I guess all of those bands are kind of weirdly connected anyway, aren't they? So. Yeah, that's a good um shot. That's fine. Um, I, I do actually enjoy them when they're more kind of um, kraut rocky, mechanical sounding than I do when they just sort of go manic. Um, there's a song called Parasite, and it's all well and good. It's it's good in fact um but it isn't as exciting to me as the other songs where they really draw everything out saying that it does give the album a more diverse and dynamic quality which is good and just the just, reason just, i
1: just to interject there that's interesting because um the kraut rock thing is the thing that i feel like they've added to this album. oh okay cool yeah, yeah. um
0: and i think th- that kind of is put into very very sharp contrast when you get the closing song um, yes. which is called a boat to drown in yes. which is seven minutes and 37 seconds long and really drives along on this singular propulsive massive riff yeah. and just shit happens around it and it's like going down route 66 like one long road yeah. and it's you just travel at a set speed for miles and miles and miles and you see things on either side of the road and that's what that song feels like to me uh well done mets nice to meet you would listen again to (laughs) your work
1: that's a great descriptor of that last song to give you an idea of how little a fuck this band give uh that seven minute and 37 second song was the first single from this record
0: brilliant <laughs> fucking brilliant
1: which is which is a rent deadman a and r move <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if ever i heard one um guitarist alex they'd Edmonds. actually
0: written umbrella by rihanna for that but you said no 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 oh, no no no. 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 don't put that on your album give no. that to someone else it'll never be a hit and then they put that out as a single instead
1: yeah <laughs> guitarist alex edkins says the song is about overcoming obstacles that once held you back rising above and looking to a better future the title refers to immersing yourself fully into what you love and using it as a sanctuary from negativity and a catalyst for change uh a boat to drown in brilliant Mm. um the video is directed by tony Wolski, who's the drummer in the Armed and old gods
0: oh right okay i think i'm allowed i was not aware of that
1: that i think i'm allowed to say that now uh i think he's been ousted um as the drum of the arms, not as the oh, fucking hell.
0: Um, oh yeah, I wonder what the fuck you're on about. Was <laughs> like, what? Go. Don't tell anyone who directed our video. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, opening song, Pulse is that, very dissonant daughters-esque vibe to it when i press play on this record being familiar with metz's three previous albums um it i was like oh blimey um it's really interesting to hear a punk band get more abrasive as they go on you know uh almost like swans for example or something like that not that swans are a punk band but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um metz have ventured into that kind of noise rock territory before and they've been quite abrasive but not not in this way i was like whoa um really interesting blind youth industrial park is an absolute rager a little bit more like classic uh mets uh storms in on a stomping beat and riff uh but then has these beautiful like ah in the chorus as well which is like that push and pull between the really noisy abrasive stuff and then that melodic stuff that they do is just brilliant draw us in uh, reminded me of uh, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter by Nirvana. Never a bad yeah. thing to be reminded of. The mirror has Fugazi written all over it. Um, it's like really angular and an absolute rager. Um, uh, in terms of oh, in terms of the record itself, um, Alex Adkins said that change is inevitable. If you're lucky. Our goal is to remain in flux, to grow in a natural and gradual way. We've always been wary to not overthink or intellectualize the music we love, but also not satisfied until we've accomplished something that pushes us forward. And that is exactly what they've done on this record. Like I said, those more kind of dissonant post-punky elements, the daughters-esque type stuff, um was maybe i i before this record i would never have even dreamed of um describing of comparing Mets to daughters but 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 now i'm like oh yeah yeah like i I totally on this record i think it's a relatively obvious comparison if you're aware of it um the song sequencing follows a cradle to grave trajectory as well spanning from primitive origins through increasingly nuanced and turbulent peaks and valleys all the way to the climactic closer A boat to drown in which we've already mentioned the lyrics speak to this arc as well with the songs addressing life's struggles all the way through to death as edkins snarls crashed through the pearly gates and opened up my eyes i can see it now before the band launches into the album's cascading outro that's that bit that you're talking about where it keeps repeating repeating and yeah going along the road and seeing different parts yeah, very, very good descriptor. Um, this is a great record and really unexpected. Not because Mets aren't a great band. They're a fantastic band. But I just love the fact that it's... They've gone in a direction which I didn't expect them to go in whilst still very recognizably being Mets. And I think that's a fantastic thing to do on your fourth record. Um, yeah. I really... I, whilst 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 I get the feeling now that, um, based on what you've said, Atlas Ending may well end up being your favourite Mets record... I definitely recommend going back and checking out one two and uh ooh, what was the album called strange strange piece strange piece yeah. um because uh i think you'd be well into them very short sharp kind of i mean Mets one is like 27 minutes long or something ridiculous like that you know
0: i do remember them being <laughs> a thing i've definitely have heard the name a whole bunch of times and i remember them sort of coming out and for, for whatever reason i think well 2012 just doing metal hammer stuff then what i know probably yeah. not really i would have been listening to just pure metal yeah. most of yeah. my life and hanging out with gil and uh he would have been trying <laughs> to get me to listen to fucking jungle so um i became aware of
1: them on two the promo was sent to me at the independent and also um it was a uh, friend of the show matt reynolds from haggard cat it was i think it was his favorite album of that year
0: so okay cool yeah, yeah this is very good it's great Um, yeah it's really good it's really interesting I mean if you like the sound of again I think we said like daughters but that you can actually listen to with other people in the building yeah Um, (laughs) like you know uh, it's not a bad shout I mean I certainly would say like again a boat to drown in very uh, kind of odds because at seven minutes and 37 seconds, that doesn't seem like a very good idea for a single. I know you probably think that's what all singles should uh, um, absolutely, be like. Yeah, do. Yeah. You'd be the, you'd be the guy who when <laughs> like imagine if you, if you were a record label exec and queen came in and way they went, we want to put, and then you, were, they, they, Bohemian Rhapsody, right? And they were like, yeah, I, you're not gonna No, no, it's definitely the single, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, Oh, uh, okay, uh, great. Um anyway, um, but yeah, Boat to Drown in. I I can see why that would be a single because of the way that it oh, is really? just like driving as fuck. Like okay. I love it. I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. actually it's it's not I was gonna use the word catchy then. It's not really catchy, no. but it's so sort of because it is that riff, because you can kind of get lost in that riff, I think it actually makes it, You, it, it, it's it's really seductive. So it's a weird, it is a weird choice because of the length and because of the fact that, you know, it, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. But I, I kind of do understand it. It's a great song. Really, really good. Uh, I like this album a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Atlas Vending by Metz is out now. Right, we've got one more record to do. It comes from Venom Prison. The album's called Primeval. It's a re-recording of the deathcore heroes' first couple of demos and a pair of new tracks. Um, as most listeners probably know, I got a lot of love for Venom Prison. I think both of their fourth, uh, both of their full length records are just rotten, scum encrusted death metal with punk rock attitude loveliness. And I think what this record shows. I have to be honest, I wasn't super excited about the idea it's not it's not actually a particularly exciting idea to go oh we're going to re-record our demo unless it's mm. you know what mr Bungle are going to do in a few weeks time <laughs> um but i think this just goes to show how kind of fully formed they were when they arrived mm. because some of these songs are as good as anything that they've ever done
1: some of them are better in my opinion, um, okay. as previously discussed on this show. I like—I absolutely do like Venom Prison a lot. I think they're a very, very, very good band. Um, and I recognise that they're certainly one of the best, if not maybe even the best new voice in death metal. Um, but I've never been quite as sort of topsy-turvy crazy for them as other publications and journalists such as yourself. Broadly, I think that just comes down to the fact that... Um, this band are very 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 good at doing something which has been done a million times before and um i respond well to that stuff but not as enthusiastically as other people i think so that's you know just my kind of taste kind of thing but undoubtedly venom prison are fucking fantastic at what they do and i would never ever deny that but um Mm. and this uh, i was in exactly the same boat as you in terms of my excitement level for this record i knew it was coming out i knew it was a um, re-recording of their first two well really their first demo and their first ep um and then two new tracks and i was like well that's cool but it feels quite stop gappy to me so i was really fucking surprised at how good this is um why do i prefer it to the other records uh i've always moaned about the length of the other two records because um venom prison let's face it are not a very diverse band um and the other two records are around the sort of 45 minute mark uh this album is mm-hmm. 39 minutes and 11 seconds which i think is far I know, I know it's only five minutes difference but i do think it's it makes quite a big difference in terms of the length of it i also think i just said that venom prison aren't a very diverse band interestingly Um, the material that I've not actually heard the original demo, it is available on YouTube to listen to uh, if you so want. And I kind of wanted to compare the two, but I didn't get an opportunity. But interestingly, I think the material on their first demo, which is the first four tracks of this record, if I'm to be... Yeah. Yeah. Is probably some of the most diverse stuff they've ever done. Mm. And I think that's why I like it. The flow and the dynamics of it are just brilliant i mean the beginning of mortal abomination is played on slow clean guitars which i haven't really heard all that much of from venom prison before Uh, Mm. and larissa's still screaming her lungs out over the top but it's side it's a side of them that i have they done clean they must have done clean guitars at some point but you don't hear it very often and it just it just created kind of like a break for me that i was like okay this is more diverse and more interesting to me um Life Suffer seems to go through so many different transitions. That song, you know, some really fast work coupled with some really heavy, doomy work. I love the way that they finish with In Heaven, the Lady Radiator song from Twin Peaks, uh, yeah. at the end of that song and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: that little kind of ethereal, um, In heaven, yeah, it's so great.
1: Is fine. Uh, the opening harmonic riff on Path of Exile is probably my favorite moment of this entire record and it feels like one it might be my favorite moment of their career it feels like the most one of the most melodic things they've ever done and i and it's interesting that as the album progresses it gets less uh dynamic and i'm kind of like for my taste and for my money they're actually kind of taking backward steps if anything you know it's interesting like the last two songs I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, they're bad." So they're they're very, very, very good songs, but they're the least interesting on this record to me. Which is kind of interesting because those are the, it says in the press release those are the, those are like where they're going in the future. You know, we've put those two songs on this album to give you an idea of what's coming from the third Venom Prison album proper. Mm-hmm. And I personally would be more excited if it was um, if it was the material from the first two EPs, which I think are actually far more interesting, dynamic and just better crafted songs than what Venom Prison have done before.
0: Okay. Uh, I can see that. Mm. I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, my counter to that would probably be like, yes. You know, I think when that, that kind of early part that that it feels a bit wilder, um, a bit more, sort of um experimental is not really the word is it because experimental sort of denotes that it's you know really like oh what are they doing here and i don't think experimental really but go on you're gonna say
1: wild is definitely a good way to put it though i think yes yeah. i think and i think that's what i respond to it just feels a little bit more carefree i mean you could are you know there is an argument to say that it feels more amateurish but i find that more exciting personally maybe yeah. that's what it is
0: i i can understand that i mean i think you know there's would i want more from venom prison i mean i think those first few songs are great that yeah. you're talking about i mean i'd say that the way that for me, it's about if you are going to do something that people have heard before, then you need to do it harder and heavier and yeah. faster and more brutal than anyone has done it before. And the way that there's a bit in um the midsection of Babylon the Whore, which mm. is nothing new at all, mm. but it is it goes fucking bananas yeah. in the middle of that song. And yeah, it is yeah. just rank. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely <laughs> fucking rank. And it's yeah. like I mean, if you love a load of lovely death, death metal, loveliness. And I think, I mean, my argument to it would be that if you kind of, if you love death metal and you cherish death metal and you, you know, you don't want to accept the shite that has been served up by kind of modern death metal posers and fakers (laughs) um, (laughs) who must die uh, for their falsehood to heavy metal or whatever. Um, but if you do really, really, really love um, death metal, like I, all that kind of what you mentioned, the kind of the frantic, slightly disjointed, you know, you, your, your word, not mine, amateurish first part, which I actually think is, you know, I agree with you. I like hearing a band who are, you know, still finding their feet and still finding their sound. Yeah. I think Venom Prison have got so good at doing death metal in the most ferocious way. Mm. That I'm actually all right with. I mean, towards the end, you know, like I, I mentioned the, the, the mid section of Babble on the Whore, which I think is for me personally the, the standout moment of the entire record. It's, it's fucking unbelievable. It's
1: fucking great. I know the bit you're talking about. It's
0: and and, yeah. and the kind of the, the like, w- <laughs> the vocals that Larissa does on like Narcotic, which just sound like mm. hellish absolutely yeah. hellish yeah. and i think if you oh, she's can she's incredible she is she's incredible. incredible and and if you can channel that mm. and if you do it that well mm. i mean you're literally talking about the very very best at doing this particular type of thing mm. then i can understand why they feel confident on leaning on that as opposed to going or oh, shall we try this or shall we go in a different direction and for me like how many albums of would, it would I need? You know, like, I mean, well, that's the we, thing, were ta- isn't it? we were talking about, we were talking about devil driver the other day. And I said, mm. you know, like devil driver who are a band who had, you know, it got probably got up to like five albums mm. with me, which kind of increment slight kind of incremental changes. And then I was like, oh, I'm kind of kind out of done with this, Yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure devil driver, were ever as good at doing what they do as venom prison are good at doing nope. what they do. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, and i do actually think devil i mean we haven't we haven't reviewed any devil driver album but it's actually really good oh, okay. and it's quite it's got some surprising things on it as well good. really good um but anyway that's by the by um but i think because if Venom prison continue to just be that good I don't think they have to worry too much when they have to worry is when they exhaust just how fucking great they are at making these types of songs mm-hmm. um and at the moment for me, I don't think they have
1: I certainly don't think they have to worry at all um they and they certainly don't have to pander down to my tastes um because no, i' I'm, I'm not typical i'm not typical death metal fan i like um I like some death metal but i there's probably half a dozen death metal bands that i listen to on on the reg and um i'm quite happy with just sticking to those to be honest so so you know in some ways it's not strictly for me anyway but we talk about i i i actually for the record completely agree with everything you say in terms of they are so good At that really abrasive heavy sound, they are brilliant at it, absolutely brilliant at it, like arguably faultless, I could say. But it always comes down to that thing of that we talk about dynamics in metal and so on and so forth. After a while, I don't care how good you are at it, after a while, unless you put some parts in there that are, um you know, that do make it more dynamic and are a little less abrasive and or have some clean parts in there or some melody or something like that. Unless you put those parts in, it does just become incre- like one large mess and you start to get de- desensitised to it. And I just start to get exhausted. and I'm just like, well, I'm a bit done with this. And there are some people who listen to this kind of music and don't feel that way. But I feel like the best of the best use dynamics. And I... The way that Venom and prisoner talked about are like they are the best of the best. I've never quite got that because because they don't have those dynamics. I found it really interesting that those first four songs I just think are fucking killer, and and they do you agree that they're the most dynamic material? That yes, they I, d-
0: I I I mean yeah, to a certain extent, yeah, I do to a certain extent. I just think that uh no yeah, yeah yeah they are. Yep. I was about to say then but it doesn't necessarily mean they're that but because my counter argument to that would be well I don't actually think they're the best songs on the, the album. No, that's bare. They are the most dy- they're the most dynamic. I mean I think Babylon the Whore, Nicotic and yeah that little that little Babylon the Whore, Damon Volgaris and Nicotic I was like, oh, that is." But I savagely savage.
1: I would love to know I I think um, Venom Prison have undoubtedly become a better band since they released that initial demo. I would love to know what the Venom Prison of 2020 or 2021, 2022, whenever we get the next album, can do if they put some of the dynamics of the first demo in as well because then i think we'll have something which is unfucking stoppable for me i've got the first two venom prison records and i think they're very good i don't listen to them very often if i'm totally honest but i do have them and they're very very good examples of what they do if they release a third record which is just like bang 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 the entire way through i'm probably going to get a bit bored at that point even with the quality being as high as it is
0: yeah that's fair enough um uh, yeah I I mean I'm I'll have to hear it yeah I guess oh, of course, I, mean, I of haven't course, so far course. yeah I haven't so far I, I think I think this is really good and yes there are a couple of surprises in there which yeah I kind yeah. of even though they're old songs you know they may have added they may have fucked around with them so you yeah. know kind of I think whatever it bodes quite well for the future and particularly because I was even as someone who really likes Venom Prison I was like uh re-recording your demo like yeah yeah sort of a stop gappy b-sidey thing Same. whatever and it's but way it, better than that it's way yeah, better than that it is, it is very very good
1: and and yeah i'd even go as fast as to say that this may well be my favorite venom prison release which mm. will be mad to some people but it is because yeah. of the dynamics of those first few songs
0: yeah there you go it's called Primeval. uh it's out now it's by venom prison and that's the end of the show wow. see you later i'm gonna do a proper ending um (laughs) thanks very much for listening um next week on the show we're going to be reviewing the new album from open mike eagle um, we maybe I think Matt Berninger's got a new album out. If we can get hold of that, we'll do that. Yeah. Or Tekra have got a new album out. We'd like to do that as well, I think, but who knows? Um, thanks very much. Just go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and sign up for our exclusive content. Obviously, as well, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk. There are our mates over there. Put riot act in the checkout for ten percent off Raptors. your pub well i wasn't pump. gonna do it I, I wasn't gonna do it then i was gonna do it seriously but you know if you're gonna fuck around you're gonna <laughs> undermine me like a piece of shit um <laughs> yeah 10 percent off uh in the checkout riot act and you can buy an act you can buy a pub you would be your own landlord remfree imagine that
1: yes yes i f- kind of feel like i'm Come on. Like my own landlord in life really
0: yeah if you ever kicked yourself out you're drunk Have you ever refused to serve yourself no no more for you no, I was say. <laughs> do you honestly think i've ever refused to serve <laughs> myself no. Right. Fuck no anyway there you go go and see them thanks very much to those guys thanks very much to you for listening and we will see you next week cheery bye